Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, welcome to the show and let me explain. It's very, very simple. The guest or I, or both of us, are going to talk about a first time experience. And usually, 99% of the time, I talk about movies. And surprise, surprise, today is not a movie. I know you're actually shocked because uh, it's been quite a while since I've done anything but movies. I've been on a streak, but I was happy to um, get off of that for a little bit and talk about something different today. So um, my guest today is a multi-divisional music trivia champion. He's seen more live music than you, I guarantee it. And he's a friend I met in college. Welcome Bryce Gilbert to the show. Hey, Tad. How's it going, man? It's so good to finally talk to you. It's been like, what, since uh, we you, you came to the film festival to watch the, the room live reading, I think is the last time I talked to you in person. Yes, that's right. Uh, a buddy of mine and I uh, came up and saw you do a, a, a kind of a, a quick run through of the room. And uh, we got to meet Greg Sestero and... I, I recorded a little bit of video from that, and I still revisit it every now and then. <laughs> Gosh, it was hilarious. Yeah, it was one of those things. It was so like great to see you guys, but I felt bad just because I couldn't catch up with you. So I was like, you no, know. I mean, I understood. You you had a lot going on. You're running that show. And I, I knew that like there, there you, you had a lot of responsibilities there. And I mean, I was glad that I didn't come by myself. Yeah. But I mean, to have another buddy along the uh, along for the ride, it was it was great to have a conversation with somebody who witnessed what I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I think it's been about that long. And this summer, gosh, I think that's going to be like July or August. That's going to be two years yep. coming up. Isn't yeah, it's it? actually two years later this month. It was like the end of June. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Already. Yeah, I mean, the last year doesn't really count, I feel like. Um, we no. just sort of erased that because no one it's really just, caught up on that year. Nobody did anything last year. It was just a time warp into 2021 where the, the sun is rising again. Right. So what we're going to talk about, if you've seen the subject on here, is first time for music. Um, all kinds of stuff. And and when I, when I wanted to do a music one, I reached out to Bryce, uh, not only because I wanted to catch up with you, just because I think of you when I think of music. Like, we met... Uh, in college, in the art department at Western Illinois University, um, and we bonded over similar uh, taste in music. You know, we, we sort of were in this uh, building, the Garwood, where music was prevalent, like in every different room, there was like a, you know, and people took over the speakers, and, and it was sort of yeah. like, whether you wanted to listen to something or not, it was going to be playing in there, and uh, it was interesting, but, you know, I've met friends through you, and, and it's, it, but it's just, if, I can't believe it's been so long since we've been in college, it's just unreal. Yeah, I, if I think about this, I'm, I'm going to guess that it was maybe like, spring no i didn't start silkscreen until spring or no fall of 07 so i think that's when i would have met you would, would have been like august or so of 07 and man that's that means that we're coming up on 14 years wow it doesn't feel like that no no not at all <laughs> it's like i was just in high school right no right right yeah yeah gosh that's crazy yeah, so but, uh, what have you been up to the last year? I mean, I sort of ask my guests that in general because, you know, it's without live music, like, what the hell have you been doing? Well, I mean, just to try to uh, to stay up to uh, up to speed with any kind of live music that I can get, man, I jumped on board with all of the um, 
all of the live streams that artists were, were putting putting on Instagram or I mean I don't do Facebook but I was still logging into Facebook accounts just to see um, certain bands um, the one one guy that that I followed the most was uh, Ben Gebbard the lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie mm-hmm. uh, he was doing uh, shows where he was playing an entire album in, in its entirety or another show just a web stream show where it was just covers only and then a by request but the by request was like here's a list of 200 songs pick 15 of them okay so like and, the most and, requested yeah 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 the the top most the, the top 15 most requested uh but they were still kind of his choice um but yeah i mean i did that to um to try to satisfy my my live musical need um man i really wanted to go um up to chicago uh, a band that uh a mutual friend of ours and and i both have uh, the band local age mm-hmm. they were playing uh drive-in like, theaters yeah um, i wasn't it, sure if that was like it was that actually in person live or because i know like i saw metallica and a few others like filmed concerts and put them at drive-through theater or drive-in theaters they did actually have stages set up and and there was this it was kind of a weird uh setup where you they had a limit of i don't know maybe a hundred cars and beside your parking spot was a little partitioned area where you and your car full of people could get out Mm. set up lawn chairs and kind of in a in an auditorium style seating arrangement um, you could see local age from uh, from the parking lot playing, and I I, I didn't I, I didn't make the trip to go. Uh, I did meet somebody just a couple months ago who did, and they said it was rowdy. It was a, a blast. <laughs> um, I, I guess some people brought some like three man slingshots and water balloons, <laughs> and and we're just launching them around. Uh, of course, a lot of car honking. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I um I think they're going to be doing another one later on this year, and uh, I'd love to go. I, I haven't seen the dates yet, but um, Chicago from here, uh, where I am, it's about a five-hour trip one way. It's it's going to be it, it'd be an all-nighter just to get back. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than these web stream shows and um and then finding shows that I wish I, or finding like remote drive-in theater shows that I wish that I could have gone to. The most that I've been doing is just like trying to discover new music and hopefully supporting bands who have dropped new albums in the last year, year and a half, and haven't had a chance to promote it yet. And I mean, so I've been listening to a, a couple of various radio stations and, um, and, and really trying to discover some some up and coming bands, and I'm, I can already see uh, that later on this year some of these bands are, are are picking up steam and announcing dates. So, market dude, I'm I'm hoping to I'm hoping to to check some more bands off my list. Yeah, it's sort of um, the last I'd say two or three weeks have been batshit crazy it was like someone is like someone announced like okay you're free to book shows and every band that i ever listened to in history that's still together even bands that weren't together they're all just now doing shows and and they're announcing them like for june like july and june and stuff i'm like 
you know, they don't, it's like they were sitting on these shows waiting to get the okay. And it's, it's a little overwhelming. Cause it's like, I want to see everything, but I can't take like two months off of work. Right. You know, in this <sighs> right. block and right. And if there's anything that good, that's going to come out of this though. I mean, I, for me, I mean, I, this is kind of selfishly speaking here, but last year I had like, like in the first quarter I had, um, I had been seeing some big ticket shows that were coming through the St. Louis area, which is pretty close for me. And I could have easily spent $2,500 just to see some, some bucket list shows, uh, rage against the machine and run the jewels were coming, uh, Pearl jam, which we'll probably get to later. Uh, <laughs> they were coming, they were coming to, to support their new album. Uh, the Rolling Stones announced that they were going to do like a, a super limited run tour across the U.S. And while I'm not a massive Stones fan, they're a band that, like, whether you like them or not, you're not going to see many more chances. You're not going to get many more chances to see them live. Right. Anyway, there were all these big name bands and, and, and artists getting back together and getting ready to hit the road. And that on top of that, the ticket prices were already pretty high. And, and, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at a bunch of tickets thinking, man, am I really going to spend this much? And the answer to most of it was no, but then COVID hit, well, none of the shows happened anyway, but, um, where I'm going with this is that like the, the smaller bands, like a lot of these indie bands that I'm, that, that I've been following and, and trying to get caught back up with over the last year and a half or so. I'm seeing that they're going to be playing smaller gigs. Mm -hmm. Smaller gigs mean smaller ticket prices. I'm not seeing, I'm not going to go see a band, one of these bands at a big amphitheater or a hockey arena or a, a, a baseball stadium where they're going to want 150 bucks. Yeah. I, I ought to be able to make the trip, round trip, beers, dinner, everything for half that. So... That's that's my goal this year. Yeah, I'm sort of up in the air because um, there, one, it's over, it's just so overwhelming, and um, it's just I'm still like like I I there is one tour that we're looking at we're because we didn't have tickets before, but we've considered doing the Hell Omega, you know, with uh, Green Day, Fallout Boy, Weezer. Um, not, right. Not really huge on Fallout Boy and um, later green day but uh you know anytime weezer's around we like to go see him and it's it's like i've been starved for live music so long but then again it's like i don't know i feel like uh we all took like some of the stuff for granted for so, so long and then not having it for a year it's like is my judgment you know clouded it's like even the way i consume movies now when i see something i'm like am i especially in a the theater it's like am i just enjoying this because i'm back in the theater or not but um i think right uh Local H is is on the there's like a local thing here Fort Madison like the next town over um they're listed on Riverfest but I know that they've had to rebook their headlining tour this fall so um there's it's up in the air like they're still promoting it on Riverfest side but Local H has not mentioned it so people are a little confused Yeah you know I um gosh I'm trying to think of the of the band there was a band that that um, that uh, this mutual friend of ours, Mike, uh, wanted to take me to that was supposed to happen in Hannibal, 
And man, there was talk back in like it was like late June that this this thing was still going to happen. Uh, it was it was still on the band's website uh, just within like two weeks before the gig, and then all these people uh, online asking like, "Is this really going to happen?" The venue got really quiet. And uh, I, th- it, we weren't we were really hesitant on rolling the dice because the, the the venue kept on saying on the I think it was the Facebook event that there were absolutely no refunds, mm-hmm. none whatsoever, and that's a, a big red flag for for a concert goer like myself. And um, gosh, I really wish that I remember what band it was. It was it was a shitty hair band, <laughs> I'm sure, but. Um, and then all of a sudden it disappeared off of that band's website and people were blowing up that band's Facebook page saying, Hey, is this really happening? And then like the day before this show was supposed to happen, they finally announced like, yeah, uh, we told that venue down in Hannibal like a month ago that this wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I mean, there, we had a few opportunities to, to to go see some bands but man by mid-june last year it was i mean that was very few and far between right and and, and it, i i don't feel like there would have been many um rules or precautions being or taken place there but uh e- even with it being an outdoor setting um it just didn't seem like something that i was going to be into but um did you have yeah. tickets to anything like that in hand that you're ready to go to and that got canceled uh yes um we're uh, here we are talking local h again uh we're gonna see um i'm gonna go see local h in mid september or october um down at blueberry hill in st louis and it's a tiny little room at Blueberry Hill, and it's going to be so stinking loud. My ears are already ringing <laughs> in in anticipation of this show. Um, I also had an opportunity to go see the Black Crows at uh, Riverport down in St. Louis, but um, I think I've got some other commitments going on that same weekend. But yeah, um, slowly getting into the mix of things. Uh, we've got tickets in hand for local wage. Can't freaking wait. We had, um, I'm trying to think of all the stuff, like we had stuff that kept getting pushed and pushed and um, we had tickets to see, and this one was devastating because this is like the second time I think that's happened, but... Um, I think I know what you're going to say. Paul Rubens. Oh, no. Yeah, he, no, I was not expecting yeah, that. <laughs> Paul Rubens was doing a 35th anniversary tour of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and he, he like, never really does anything out of character. No. And so he was supposed to – he was going to be at the – I believe the Chicago Theater is what we had tickets to, and I was one of those – you know, I was on Ticketmaster and in line and refreshing, and we got front row. And uh, Nikki was, you know, over the moon and we were, we were yeah. very, she's a big fan and, and uh, we were so stoked. And that was supposed to be March of 2020. And um, he did all the shows up until like two da- two dates before ours. And it can't like, wow. yeah, it canceled like, like literally like two days before we were, or it was postponed. And then he just never rescheduled it. And, and the sort of bummer about that um, is that we also like a year earlier, we got tickets to, um, 
a a convention it, i think is a horror hound convention in um indiana we were going to drive all the way there because he was doing um photo ops and meet and greets and stuff and you know we bought tickets for that and he canceled last minute there and that was not covid related he just decided last minute to cancel never really gave an explanation and so yeah it sort of bailed i mean it's not music related but it's just like something we were really anticipating and sure and other sure yeah yeah. i um yeah I, i i wasn't expecting that and i i could be totally off base here but are you a my chemical romance fan I am. We didn't get tickets to that tour, um, and they've pushed that's, that all the way until next year. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, for some reason, that's what I thought the, th- that's what I had my money on because they announced, I think it was about a year and a half ago, like early last year, like we are back. We're going to do this big, massive tour, and the internet was just melting over it. People were just losing their their damn minds. I'm not so crazy about My Chemical Romance, but. Um, they're also kind of in a, in a different, a little, I don't get too far into the genre of music that they're in. I often kind of categorize them with like panic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I categorize them a lot with, with panic and fallout boy, um, motion city soundtrack, maybe. Yeah. And that, that's not really, I mean. I'll listen to maybe one or two songs from each one of those bands, but I don't would I go see them live? Sure, as long as the tickets are free. <laughs> <laughs> we saw My Chemical Romance once, and um, well, I've seen them multiple times, but like the the time when we actually saw them like headlining, um, we went because we wanted to see the opening bands, and and just happened to be one of those things. It seems like I do that quite often, where I'm like, I guess I, I want to see the opening band, so I guess we'll stick around for the headliners, but. Um, it was a huge venue and they were at their peak of popularity and mm-hmm. it sounded like shit. Um, and I don't know if it was the house mix or if it was them or a combination, but if the crowd wasn't, the other people in the crowd weren't singing along, I would not have even known what songs they were playing. It was so bad. Wow. You know, um, I mean, one, one band that I've, that I've liked studio wise and I've seen twice live um, and was so disappointed both times was 30 seconds to Mars. Yeah. Um, I've seen them twice and I thought they were okay, but they're definitely a band that you can tell has more instruments, like they, they, several more tracks when they record and they play as like a four piece, I think. And it's not the same. Right, right. Yeah, I um I saw them a couple years ago and it was just, it was so frustrating. Like the crowd wanted so much out of them and they would tease uh a couple of songs. Like I can't remember it's oh, I'm playing it in my head. I can't remember what the name of this song was, but it was a it was a relatively big hit and Jared is up there on stage saying, "Hey man, y'all like this song?" what if we sing this song Mm -hmm. and they play the first two lines of it and stop and just move on to another song completely. And I just kind of thought, well, what are you doing here, man? Yeah. I mean, like the audience came to hear a song like that and they just, and Jared just five seconds into it decides, nah, we're going to find something else. Yeah. That, that didn't, that didn't bode well with me. No, we saw them, um, like back in like the, after that first album with like the, before they were you know they had completely blown up we saw them in Des Moines Iowa at this little place and yeah um, anybody who bought any piece of merch 
could stay after the show and meet the band and get it signed, which tells you how small it was. And uh, I just bought uh, before they sort of made that like announcement during the show. Uh, he sort of, I think he's on like the mic and he was like, if you buy any, anybody who bought merch tonight, you know, a great way to sell merch, but I had already bought a hoodie and I'm like, well, shit, do I get him to sign a hoodie? Cause that's like the worst thing. Like, you know, yeah. and, and, but we stayed after and he was super nice and shook my hand and, and, you know, said my name back to me. I was like, Oh, you know, what's your name? Tad. Oh, nice to meet you. Tad so much. Thanks so much for coming out. And then like maybe two years later, we saw them in St. Louis at the pageant when he was in like the pink mohawk um you know like blue leather jacket phase and yeah he was completely a different person he came like we we went around the back back where the tour buses were after the show and mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. He, yeah he came he stood out on top of these steps and like acted like he was a prophet and like put his arms out and every all the girls would scream and then he went back in and then he popped back out and it's like it, just that move was sort of dickish and then the third time that we were going to go see them. Um, they were playing in Clive, Iowa, which is near Des Moines at this venue. And we bought our tickets and like two days before, or maybe even the day before they announced it was canceled because of um, like booking or something. They didn't really officially say what it was. And then we found out later that um, Kanye West was hosting SNL and invited Jared to uh, be his guest. Get out. Yeah. So he canceled the show to um, Cause he was like on SNL with Kanye. So he bailed and, uh, they, they like because Kanye was on one of their songs, I think, later. I don't know. I haven't followed them since like their second or third album. But uh, after that, I was like, I wouldn't pay to go see him again. That's a really shitty thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we the, the, the show that I'm thinking of, they were opening for Muse. And it was my second time seeing Muse, my second time seeing 30 Seconds to Mars. Uh, Muse put on a great show, but before that like i said we we saw 30 seconds man i'm it's so conflicting because i mean i i was a big fan of a beautiful lie i believe that was the 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 album i'm thinking of and um and and there were some real bangers on that and a couple songs on different albums after that that i was a fan of and i thought i and and this is also dating myself here but i was a big fan of my so-called life Oh yeah, with, my sister was huge into that, so I I grew yeah, up watching it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, man, this checks all the boxes. Nope, yeah. <laughs> I've seen them twice. <laughs> yeah. I'm disappointed twice, and I guess maybe the way I look at it was like, this guy thinks, well, I mean, maybe he he pretty much solidified it with his Kanye SNL thing. Like, I'm a celebrity. I can do whatever the hell I want, uh, and, and you guys still get screwed with your convenience fees, even if you get your refund. Yeah, I think uh, he definitely his head has grown um, much larger every album cycle. And it like to me, I used to sort of defend the band and I've defended him multiple times because I know I have friends who just cannot stand his acting. I think he's a great actor. Um, Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's a soft spot because he was nice to me that one time. But um, I can't say, yeah, that I actively listen to their their music much anymore. And I like I said, I probably wouldn't go see him again, but. I, I still have good memories of that first show, and I, I can't really remember much of like the show itself. I just sort of remember, ha- you know, it, it's more about. I think it was when it might have been when I was in high school or something, but it was like when probably after that. But it was like when you know you travel with your friends and get a road trip in, and you go to this venue, and then you have to drive, you know, three hours back in the middle of the night, and and go right. to work or school the next day, and you get that right. shirt, and it's just like that experience was more so than the actual show, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And man, you and I living in cornfield of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just there's there's somehow or another though you up in Burlington. Um, I, I'm telling you, there's something about Southeast Iowa that still manages to attract some bands that we're, and I'm just 90 minutes south of you that it's just a ghost town down here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I, if I was to tally up all of the miles that I've driven to Iowa city, Columbia, Missouri, St. Louis, Chicago, um, Memphis, even a couple of times, I mean, there, um, gosh, I'd put up, I've put up easily a hundred thousand miles on, but it's so hard to find shows local around here. And, um, you're also kind of getting to that age, at least I am anyway, where it's hard to do the midweek show absolutely, and, 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 and go back into work the next morning, like nothing happened. Um, yeah, the last time we did the, the big one, which I consider the big one, um, something it's it's crazy to look back and think that we did this regularly but there was times where we would drive to chicago and that's a four four and a half hour drive from here yeah go to a show turn around go back because i had to work the next morning and the last time we did that was when prince um spontaneously announced two nights in chicago welcome to chicago shows and nikki got tickets and it was like way too late for me to ask off work so we did that right and when we got home like we both agreed like we're never ever doing this again we're getting a hotel or finding a friend to stay with this is we're we're too old to be doing this now yeah yeah i mean your priorities change a little bit and and you i think as one ages they kind of lose that a little bit of that sense of i'm invincible i can get away with this yeah um yeah i drove i've driven overnight once um to chicago and came back the same night and um i i will never forget i had a a final like a history final the next morning and i for some reason though i i don't remember why i think i was given the option of whether i wanted to take it at nine o'clock that morning or one o'clock that afternoon it was pretty obvious what my <laughs> what my decision was gonna be <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's a like i said even like you know we can do iowa city and and it's not much of a problem but like i still sort of feel it because i mean it's not even just like the traveling but you go to a show and you get that adrenaline and and like you said that even the the loud music in your ears like it's exhausting to just be at a show even if you're not like like moving you know it's just mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. physically um exhausting and mentally because it's you i mean that's why we love music you know it's like we it's everything it, you sort of feel like after end of the show when the lights come on you're just like oh you like deflate like a balloon and you're right. yeah, yeah yeah it's like they should just like, have a cot right here on the floor i'm ready to sleep <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that's i think something i've been chasing for 25 years now at least is just that that experience like once the lights come on going man that was awesome where's the next show yeah what, 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 what's coming up next so we we alluded yep. to it a little bit earlier um and i think i already know your answer but um what's your favorite band it's pearl jam yeah. um yeah i um i've seen them I think 11 times I've seen Eddie on his own once doing a little acoustic thing. Um, I've got a tattoo on my leg. Um, that, that's it, it was the cover of their first single. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 Pearl Jam all the way. I mean, I pretty much knew that, but I, I needed to confirm it. And like I said earlier, and and when we were kicking around ideas for doing a music episode, I was like, you know, I, I my my uh, my background with Pearl Jam is very limited. Like I know their singles, and I know some of Eddie's stuff because uh, he's done some. Uh, he did the, what was the movie Into the Wild? He did the Into the Wild, which was yeah. fantastic. Like I will say that um, I I. I do not um, hate Pearl Jam in any way. I know there's there's people who absolutely hate them. Um, I think they're actually for that uh, time period, like you know, it's they're they're like the voice of that era, the '90s, and you know, Eddie Vedder's voice, like that's his distinct thing. Like you recognize that yeah. anywhere, um, but it's not something I've ever, for some one reason or another, I just. I didn't listen to a whole lot of it. Like I, I grew up with an older brother and sister and my brother, I sort of just listened to what they listened to, to a certain point. Um, and my brother never really got into them. He listened to stone temple pilots and, mm-hmm. uh, he was into, uh, flaming lips and, uh, Nirvana, but he never got into Pearl jam. And so I have a lot of friends who were huge into Pearl jam and Soundgarden and, and a lot of those bands, but they never really were quite, I don't know. They didn't have the, the same i don't know they always stood out on their own i would say yeah i mean i i I, if there's one thing i'd have to say about pearl jam is that they've managed um longevity yes and 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 it's unfortunate to bring up other bands i mean i nirvana obviously that came to an end um allison chains they've um they've they got back together after a breakup and then Lane Staley died. Um, of course, Chris Cornell mm-hmm. um, with Soundgarden. Um, Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland. Um, I mean, I, when I think of other bands that I that I try to categorize in that grunge era, there are a lot of them that that by the late '90s kind of running out of steam. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, another. Even though they're not a Seattle band, but I often lumped Smashing Pumpkins in there. Yep. And man, there were if if you want to talk about grunge bands with feuds inside <laughs> the band, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins knows how to do that better than anybody. And there were so there were just a lot of bands that were part of this genre that I listened to religiously, and I think it was just I think. Pearl Jam, it, it was probably around 96, 97, where it started leaving an, an imprint in me that this is it. This is the band that that, that is going to become my favorite. There were just a lot of other bands that were kind of running out of steam, like I said, that um, maybe it had a, a, a couple of uh, a, a couple of shitty albums. That, that just didn't sell as well as the previous one. So maybe they, maybe that first album was great, and maybe they're they, they fought through that sophomore slump. But by album three and four, kind of getting some mixed reviews, and and maybe having some people jump ship. Pearl Jam has never been that way. Um, they've managed to, um, they've managed to, to to catch my attention every. Every album cycle, every three to four years when that new album comes out, um, I'm right there listening to it as, as soon as I can get my hands on it. And, um, and, and 
I think that's 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 got to be my, an, my my answer. I mean, there I, I've seen all of those other acts. I, I saw Soundgarden. I saw Smashing Pumpkins. I saw Stone Temple Pilots. Um, I saw a lot of those a lot of those acts, but none of them ever really resonated with me the way that Pearl Jam did. Yeah, it's uh, I, we were actually supposed to see Smashing Pumpkins in September, and it would have been my first time. Obviously, that was canceled. But um, yeah. Uh, where where was like your do you remember sort of your first like like oh this like hearing t- not not necessarily like the very first moment you heard Pearl Jam but like the first like moment where it was sort of like oh I, like these guys are fucking rad like what was was it a vi- music video or hearing something on the radio um neither actually uh my freshman year at Quincy High School I can still remember her name it was a, a social studies teacher that that wow. I had. Uh Melissa Michael was her name. And um the way that, that the way that she had that class structured was that like I think it was like every Friday, if all of the class got all of their homework done, we could raid her her carrying case of CDs and cassettes. And she she carried all of her CDs and her cassettes into her classroom with her because she I mean nobody trusted or nobody left that stuff just sitting out in their cars back then. Right. That was, <laughs> was like gold. CDs and, yeah, CDs and, and, and cassettes. Th- those were a commodity, man, back then. But anyway, um, every Friday, uh, she would bring out a, a case of CDs or a, a case of cassettes. And the class started voting. Like We were listening to all kinds of stuff, like old Jane's Addiction, uh, some old Red Hot Chili Peppers, um that she was like really she was kind of like the the guiding light into the grunge era for me and pearl jam 10 was the one that made it so heavy into the rotation um everybody in in class was like scrambling to get their homework done so we could listen to pearl jam 10 again that's a rad teacher yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, I re I reconnected with her oh maybe ten years ago or so, and I never really thought about it back then. But she was less than ten years older than myself. Yeah. So the some of the musical interests were going to have some overlap. It wasn't like she was five years away from retirement. She was maybe five years into teaching mm-hmm. in general. So. Uh, for sure, there was going to be some overlap and some some musical some musical interests that we could both agree on, and so yeah, yeah, my uh, my freshman year, which I think would have been '92, uh, was was my introduction to Pearl Jam. And then after that, like, uh, when was the first time you got to see him? Well, that's a that's a, a funny story. Um, I had actually bought tickets without my parents knowing uh <laughs> to see them at Lollapalooza in 92 with my girlfriend at the time who was 16 mm, i wasn't scandalous scandalous yes <laughs> and we we saved our money we uh we had tickets to see them and about two about two months or so before we were going to see them uh, her parents found the tickets and were like, "Nope, you are not taking you and your teenager, you you you, you two teenagers, <laughs> without our permission, are not going out of town to go see some 
Lollapalooza. We don't even know what that is. <laughs> and we got our tickets ripped up and never got oh. the chance to go. And um, I, I beat my parents down with guilt over the next seven or eight years. And my mom surprised me with tickets for my birthday on which is in mid-september um i got to see I, I finally got to see pearl jam uh october 11th of 2000 so it was eight years of being a fan of that band wow and about four or five years of being of them being like this is my number one yeah this is my this is my favorite band uh it took me that long though to to actually see them live well were they touring regularly or was it one of those things like you two where they do like a tour every like three or four years and it's a huge deal well i mean in in the in the book of pearl jam there's going to be a chapter in the mid 90s where they battled with ticketmaster they were with the fans and not happy that that ticketmaster was the monopoly and and setting these prices to just gouge the, the the consumer and they in like 96 to 97 i believe um even after releasing a couple of albums during that during that time period um had had abandoned ticketmaster and they were trying to find an alternate like uh, who who was who was Ticketmaster Junior in the mid '90s? Right, I don't know. That's yeah, that's who they were trying to to, to book shows through, and the tours were not successful. Um, and, and I think it was because of that. Those those smaller tier ticketing agencies didn't have the promotion or the the the, the power of promotion. That, that Ticketmaster did. Well, yeah, I mean, and... you didn't have social media, you didn't have any of that. It was all either, like, radio or, like, literally people, like, word of mouth. Right, right. So the uh, the first the first show that I truly, the first Pearl Jam show I truly wanted to go to was at uh, Riverport in St. Louis in 1998. They were supporting their Yield album. And... Um, I, I mean, I was old enough to be able to go down on my own. Uh, I'd already been to that venue a couple of times before, so I knew there, getting there and back was no question. Um, I just couldn't find any friends to go. And I I often dreamed after, like, after that show, uh, regretting not going. And, and, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. I often thought of, like, I could have just driven down there and sat in the parking lot. Yeah. And listened to them. Like maybe I, maybe I didn't have the money. I, I I know that I know that I couldn't find any friends to go. I remember just pleading and begging with some friends and they were like, "Nah. Who gives a shit? I don't want to go." And it's not my it's not worth my money. And I don't know. That if there was a regret, um it was 98 not going to that, but yeah, two thousand. That was my that was my first dive into into seeing Pearl Jam live. Finally, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, that's crazy to think it took that long. Because of course, in my mind, I'm like, two thousand. That that long ago. It's you know, we're looking at twenty one years ago. But uh, yeah, yeah. But being a fan that long, I would assumed you had seen them like pretty early on. Um, I had my chance in ninety two, man. Yeah, had my chance. That's, that seems like a uh, something out of like Detroit Rock City, you know, like the parents. Yeah, yeah, straight yeah, out of the I movie. Mean, and and it, it totally sounds like 
yeah, you're right. Like Detroit Rock City or <laughs> Almost Famous yeah. or uh, even like maybe The Wonder Years or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, something yeah. out of a sitcom or um, uh, Freaks and Geeks or something. And actually, I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, there was an episode of My So-Called Life where uh, Claire Dane's character had tickets, I think, to, to go see The Grateful Dead. And gosh, I can't remember how it all ends, but I think her... I think she ends up getting to go, but only if only with her dad chaperoning. And well, who wants to do that? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been to so many shows where you would see someone's parents that clearly don't want to be there with their kids. It's so damn funny. You can tell from yeah. a mile away. For sure. For sure. They're kind of checked out and maybe looking for another dad in the area just to nod their head and go, "Yeah, man." Uh, this is what our teenagers are listening to these days. But I, I appreciate it. Like when I've I've heard, you know, like when you think about like a dad taking their teenage daughter to see like BTS or something, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, what a champ, like good on you for like getting your kids to see live music and supporting whatever they like, because you know, I, 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 we don't have kids. We're never going to have kids, but I, I would fear like me wanting to put that pressure on them to like what I like. And uh, I know, you know, they shouldn't be like that. You know, they should, they should blossom into their own things. And if they find a shared interest, great, but Mm -hmm. you know, don't make them listen to, but that, that's a whole different topic. But, um, like, have you, have you, I, I don't think many people, I mean, they're, they're not really accessible. Are they like Pearl Jam? Like, have you, you've ever met them? Um, (laughs) I've met one member and it was a, it, it was a setting that, um, that it made it, it made it very accessible to meet uh, the band, but the catch was it wasn't Pearl Jam. Um, Stone Gossard, who was one of the guitarists in Pearl Jam, also was part of a side project uh, that he'd been part of for several years called Brad, and Brad was playing uh, later on that night. Uh, they were they were supporting Band of Horses, and before the that show though brad was playing an acoustic show inside a record store in st louis and i'd been to a couple of these acoustic shows before and knew that there was always a meet and greet afterward okay so i intentionally went i i I made sure that i got down there early enough to see brad play their acoustic show and afterward was the meet and greet i have a pearl jam dvd that I wanted Stone to sign. And it was a really shitty thing for me to do. But looking back on it now, I know that they had the seating arrangement lined up on purpose, like with Stone at the forefront, uh, because I waited in line. I have Stone sign this DVD. I, I have like a five-second conversation. I couldn't even tell you what I what I said. But... I ended my conversation and I looked at the rest of the band and said, hi, and turned around and walked out the door. (laughs) (laughs) So it tell, I mean, looking back on that now stone being the first chair was just to give the rest of the band a reprieve. Like, yes, we know that we have our own album. We know that no one here, no one's here to actually listen to it. We know that you're all actually Pearl jam fans and that stone is just, He's the centerpiece. So right. here, if you really want to talk to us, we'll be really surprised. 
but yeah, <laughs> just get it over with, get it out of the way, go say hi to Stone and leave us the hell alone. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of the time um, me and my friends in high school, like I had found out that Matt Sharp, at the, he was uh, long out of Weezer by then, but he was playing a solo show in Galesburg, which was like a 45 minute drive. Yeah. Um, and I, I had one friend who actually had her own car. She had this huge Cadillac and it was like, anytime we went to shows, we'd all pile into Natalie's Cadillac. And the furthest we'd really go is Iowa cities, like Iowa city, Galesburg, uh, quad cities area sometimes. But, uh-huh. uh, he was playing on the college campus over there. We had somehow found out. And, uh, I felt so bad for him because he was, this was even, um, post rentals after they had sort of, I think they were on another hiatus. So he's just doing his own thing. And yeah. uh, they really, I felt bad cause they, the campus clearly pushed it as Matt Sharp, formerly of Weezer. And it was like, oh you know, Matt Sharp, small Weezer, really big. And so a bunch of college students who um, are not really into that, just see the Weezer thing. And this was like, probably like green album. Like when Weezer was at their high, like comeback, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. big deal that, and it was knowing that Matt Sharp was no longer the band. But these students, they don't know; they just see Weezer and they're like the guy from Weezer's here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we gathered in this this auditorium that was on campus, and it was like we get there and we don't know our way around campus. I think it was supposed to be just for students, but we were like, "Fuck it, we're high schoolers; we're gonna get in." And uh, yeah. it was like five dollars that cover at the door or something, and we go in. Yeah. And it's it's weird because it's like a lecture hall type thing, and and he's us up front with a mic and and an acoustic guitar and. I was like, man, Matt Sharp, you know, cover the Blue Album. And I brought my Blue Album with me just sort of as a, like, maybe if I'm feeling up to it after the show. And um, he's he's doing some of his rental stuff and some of his solo stuff up there. And he's sort of doing some banter with the crowd. And I remember, like, three or four songs in, this girl up front sort of starts heckling. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's like, Weezer, Buddy Holly, Weezer. Hey Weezer, hey Weezer, yeah. and he's and he's sort of like laughing it off and keeps playing. And finally, he's like, "Uh, you know, I'm not in Weezer anymore, but uh, you know, I wish them all the best and stuff. But uh, I'm not gonna play any Weezer tonight." And the girl's like, "Come on, just play play the Sweater song or something or Buddy Holly." And finally, he's <sighs> like, he he's like, "Okay, you want to hear something?" And she's like, like, you know, a few people are like, "Yeah, yeah," you know. And I'm like, "Oh shit, here we go." And and he uh goes into buddy holly but he's making up lyrics about the girl heckling him in the crowd and he's like he's like doing crowd work awesome <laughs> and he did, oh that's awesome yeah and uh she she got real quiet and then he's like all right anyways and go, and finishes the show and uh you know he he sort of just hung out up front after the show so it wasn't even like a setup like he was just standing up front and so we went up and i just i said you know uh great show thanks so much have a good night i didn't have him sign my blue album because i was i was a pussy i was like it, it, he's clearly he was he didn't want to be well, there as it, a former Weezer member. You know he wanted to be yeah, there yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean with with the crowd doing that to him, you, you certainly don't want to just like sh- shove that in his face, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it was a... yeah, it was sort of a bummer, but um, you know he he was in good spirits afterwards, and and he was really nice when we met him. So it wasn't like one of those things where like they say you know don't meet your hero, and I was a little nervous because I'm like after that sort of rant that, that he went off on and, and sort of went mm-hmm. at her, I was like, he has every right to just sort of like pack up and head out. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it seems like and he's probably used to some, some shit like that for years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be difficult, especially if the college is promoting a show and I mean, where his, the band that he's no longer affiliated is more prominently displayed 
on their promotion materials and their tour or on the posters and everything right than his own name um yeah that that's kind of a that that's a little bit of a shitty thing to do and i'm sure yeah. it was like one of those things where he's like you know doing a small tour and he's like you know i'm going to come through the college campus and they they're like who's matt sharp they're like oh he used to be in weezer they're like all right weezer's a big name right now let's do it and yeah, it was, it was, you know, some design student threw together a flyer and, you know, he, he, he was the third person that they went through and it was like, oh, you know, this guy's in Weezer or something. But uh, it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But I I feel like the same thing sort of happened. I remember and this is sort of crazy. Um, in high school, I was for like a few years. I was really big into Slipknot. They were from Iowa, it, right. especially after that debut album. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And in high school, I was I was taking like a so like sewing. It was like sort of like home ec, but it was like all sewing. And our teacher was out for like pregnancy, so they brought in this like so the sub for a whole semester. And she like I would wear Slipknot t-shirts and stuff. And she's like, "Oh, you're in the Slipknot." I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, uh, "My brother plays in this band called Stone Sour. Uh, you ever heard of them?" Oh. And I'm like, "No." And she's like, "Well, they were actually together before Slipknot, and that was Corey's band before Slipknot." And then he. Uh, they sort of split so he could do Slipknot, but now that Slipknot went big and, and they're on a break right now, he went back and he reformed Stone Sour, and I was like, yeah. I n- never heard of them, and this was before they even had an actual, they were they didn't have a record deal, they didn't have anything, and I thought wow. she, she was full of shit, because I was like, sure, what is she talking about? She's like, you know, my, my, she's like, they don't wear the masks, they wear these, like, they don't wear, uh, like, matching jumpsuits, they don't, they're just like a band, like a rock band, and I'm like, right, okay, yeah. uh, but, you know, me and my friends were sort of like, she must be confused, like, she, she's a <laughs> young blonde, uh, not you know pretty attractive for a, for a substitute teacher but not mm-hmm. she, she was just a substitute like she was just basically there as a babysitter for a semester and right. uh of course like flash forward in a year and they're like a big radio hit and they have you know some really big songs on radio and i'm like oh shit she she was right and her brother was actually like the drummer and it makes sense because she moved here from des moines and but it was just sort of weird thing where it's like you know stone sour was sort of the same way people are like Oh, I'm going to go see him because Corey from Slipknot's in the band. And, you know, it, it's a double edged sword because, like you said, uh, the band you went and saw, it's like, yeah, we're here because we're Pearl Jam fans, but at least they got people to come see him. And, you know, and I know, like, like uh, Brian Bell's band and has opened for Weezer before. Uh, the relationship, they were really good and they opened for Weezer before. And, yeah, yeah I, um, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, that was also a, a kind of crappy thing for me to do just to look at the rest of the band and go, hi, bye. And just, <laughs> and bolt out the door. But I, I, I don't have a doubt in my mind that they've been burned by that before. Oh yeah. And, and that's why they just went ahead and moved stone to the front or, and, um, and, and just had the rest of the band just kind of kick them back with their feet on the table. Um, yeah, I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't something that it wasn't a commitment that the rest of the band really took seriously. Like there were no sharpies in front of the rest <laughs> of the guys. If somebody wanted to, if somebody wanted to to actually get the autograph of everyone uh, from everyone in the band, Stone was the primary sharpie holder, <laughs> and that and that one sharpie got passed down to the rest of the band. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's been a few years now, but we went and saw, um, oh, no, Molly Ringwald. She does, like, jazz music. 
Um, huh. And she was in our town in Burlington for Civic Music, which is like a program where they bring in um, music. And it's basically like a bunch of blue hair old ladies and they're, you know, if they still have their husbands are still alive, they go sit next to them begrudgingly and they, right. they play old timey music. And uh, I do all the, like the, as at the print shop, we do all their programs and all their stuff. So I've made friends with them and it's like anytime they've gotten like probably three or four really cool things that I was interested in. They had um, Chicago second city improv group come once, which blew me away because it has nothing to do with music. Um, yeah. And then they had Molly Ringwald come and I was like, you know, finally, here's my chance. I asked them and then they're like, yeah, just, you know, come on in. Like, you know, you, we'll put you on a list or whatever. And it was one of those things too, where it's like after she, and it was actually a really nice night. Like Nikki and I dressed pretty, you know, got cleaned up and went and, and we were like by far the youngest people by, you know, double like everyone was double our age at least and uh yeah and it was it was a really cool show and she was really good and really good singer not really my type of stuff but after the show we went out and um in the lobby and she was signing cds so you know i felt sort of awkward because i i'm there i'm gonna get something breakfast club signed but um i bought her cd because i felt like i need to at least financially support her if i'm going to ask her to sign something and like yeah uh you know i i waited I, I, I kept a jay ryan's breakfast club screen print in the car and i ran out to the parking lot grabbed it came back in and i waited until everyone has pretty much gone through the line and i was the last one so i had some time and it's sort of the same thing where I, I, I was like you know really great show you know it's fantastic stuff and had her sign my cd and explained that i worked with the, the civic music stuff and did the program stuff and i'm like I hate to bother you, and I know you probably get this everywhere you go. I hope, and if you don't want to, I completely understand. But would you be willing to sign something Breakfast Club for me? And like the organizer of Civic Music sort of looked at me like, "Don't be that guy. Don't be that." And she was like, "Oh, absolutely. What do you got?" And I unrolled the poster, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, where did this come from?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a script. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah." She's like, for, "You know, for someone obscure like Jay Ryan, I I wouldn't like a a silkscreen artist. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect her to to know every." every time that that one of her most famous movies has been referenced or reproduced right and she was um, she was really blown away by it and was like you know where did you get it what's her artist name and i was like well you know these prints are very limited so they're not really available anymore but i can i actually have his contact information from when we went and saw him and you know i can i can put you in touch and here's his website and stuff and she was just like you know just could not have been nicer about it but it was one of those things too where it's just like she probably, you know, she has bre like Breakfast Club chasing her for her whole life. Do I bother her with Breakfast Club something? But you know, it was what was I, I was very polite about it, and she was very cool about it. And uh, luckily, you know, it all went great. But uh, I, I was just one of those same things where it's like, you know, that's she probably wants to move on from that, but she realizes that's what made her career. That's why people know her name. Right, right. It, it's kind of her bread and butter. I mean, I'm I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I had to look her up on Wikipedia to, to see a little bit more on this on this jazz album that she did. I'm sure that she's made more in residuals and royalties from The Breakfast Club than she did off of this jazz album. Oh, absolutely. So, it, yeah. Well, what's sort of cool about <laughs> it mean, is, like, you think about, you know, it's a lot of these bands and musicians do this, though. It's like, I have... Basically, I have fuck you money. Now I can do what I really want to do. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I, ha I can do what exactly. I want. I'm rich. Like, I'm going to do a jazz album because that's what I always wanted to do, but I never got to. So now I can do that. And it doesn't matter if I make money on it. I, I get to do what I really love. And that's really cool. So I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and kudos to her for taking an actual interest in in 
probably, like I said, something that she's never seen before. Uh, I mean, I haven't. I, I'm I'm familiar with Jay Ryan myself, but I haven't. I haven't seen this Breakfast Club poster. I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, I got it. She signed it. She was like, you know, uh, she wrote like princess in quotes, and you know, it's just it's really cool. I got it framed. She's like, you know, make sure it dries before you roll it back up, and uh, just couldn't have been sweeter. And and even this kid in front of us in line, um, he had a he wasn't even at the show. I don't know how he got into the venue, but the the security is pretty loose when it's like 80 year old volunteers taking tickets. But, um, yeah, this, yeah. this kid came in with like this, the dingiest, uh, like breakfast club VHS I've ever seen. And she was so sweet to him. He was like, my mom's at home and she couldn't come, she couldn't afford a ticket. So I came down and do you mind signing it? And she was like, what's your mom's name? And, uh, he, she wrote it on there and was like, thanks so much for coming down. And, you know, just a genuine wow. good person. So it's that's but, awesome. But like, is Eddie Vedder, is he like infamously hard to meet? He is very elusive. I mean, I know a couple of friends who have actually managed to figure out where uh, Pearl Jam's bus is after the show. And I mean, like deep inside a parking garage someplace around the arena or, or around the venue. Um, there is there, there's one friend of mine who met him at like two o'clock in the morning after a show in. I think it was like maybe 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. And um, Eddie's security was very strict. Mm -hmm. Like no video, no pictures, uh, nothing. Like you can you can have a, a, a chat with him and, and nothing more. And um, there, I think th this friend of mine, his girlfriend, uh, managed to like turn her back for a second and turn on the audio like the voice memos portion of her phone and got to and got to record uh a very rough terribly sounding recording <laughs> of eddie in this like this loud echoey parking garage and there are like 15 people all around i I remember getting that clip texted to me or emailed to me the next day, like, oh my gosh, we got to meet Eddie. Listen to this audio clip. <laughs> and it's just, and it's just constant, like, it's just constant crowd noise. And you hear this really low baritone voice. And I thought, was that Eddie? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it I, I was, I think I've I listened to that clip a couple of times and I was trying to unravel, like, what are these people even talking about? I can't hear anything. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I know a couple of people who have met Eddie. Um, and honestly, I don't know that I would want to. Um, it, I, I would get so tongue-tied. Like, I, when, when Greg Sestero from The Room came to Burlington uh, two years ago, that guy's not a superstar by any means. No. Even my like my blood pressure was through the roof. It's just like this anxiety that I get to meet somebody who who has entertained me for for ten plus years now. And I mean, for something like that, I'm sure he could have easily, as I walked away, done a like a roll in his eyes, like who the hell was that guy? That high strung guy. <laughs> that would be me. That was me. I. I would just get, I, I guess I get so worked up and so anxious when I get the opportunity to actually meet somebody. I be tongue tied and just make a complete ass of myself. So it's, it's best I don't. 
<laughs> I, I have a friend who's like absolutely obsessed with U2. He's, uh, you know, he back in the day, he used to camp out for the tickets and they camp out before the shows. And I, I've always sort of, I actually uh, interned for him um, at the community college and still good friends with them. And uh, shout out to Jeff Ebbing. And he, uh, I've asked him several times, I'm like, you ever met anyone? He's like, oh, no one meets like members of U2 unless you're like, a fucking like world leader or something like just sort of yeah, it, yeah. It's just one of those things and i'm like you know i guess that's like the advantage i have is that i don't like bands that are as big as pearl jam or u2 where it's like you know it, it set your goals a little lower and you, you might have uh you might be able to meet those people but like you said sometimes especially at that mega level do you really want to you know because it's not going to live up to your expectations or like you said uh just the pressure of of doing it it will ever live up to that you know yeah, and I don't want to I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything I'm ever going to be able to say to Eddie that will leave an impression on him or, or or be a memorable event or moment for him. And I don't want to come up with something I don't know. I I I just I can't handle the pressure of even thinking about it. <laughs> of actually like getting the opportunity to to meet him in person. I I have no idea what I would say. And uh, other than he's making a bad decision being a Cubs fan because I'm a Cardinals <laughs> fan, I, I that's about you might all get, I got. You might get punched in the nose. They're diehards. Uh, no, right, I, right. I remember seeing um, we went and saw Henry Rollins do his like live speaking thing, and um, we had seen him in mm. sh- Chicago, and then he was in Davenport. Um, this is many years ago, probably ten plus years ago, and we went with my friend uh, John and Kenny and. Uh, after the show, we sort of hung out out front and he came out and, you know, anybody who still hung out after the show, he'd come and talk to him just casually out in front of the venue. And, um, my friend Kenny, uh, went up to him was like, you know, I, I went to Catholic school and I felt like a, an outsider at the school and I listened to black flag and, and you were like a hero to me and you inspired me to sort of like do my own thing. And, and he, uh, he spilled his guts to Henry and he was like, cool, man. And then I was like, yeah, we just saw your show in Chicago a few nights ago. And he went on this long story of the trip from Chicago to like Davenport and what he did in the last four days and ranted on and on like we were old friends. And I felt like shit because like it clearly meant way more to Kenny than it did to me. And I was just making small talk and he engaged right. with me in conversation. But I was like, maybe it's just a lot of pressure to tell someone like you're my hero and you mean everything to me. And it's just sort of like I felt awful because he was sort of hoping, you know, I don't know if he was expecting uh, Rollins to say back to him, but I think in that, I, I know a lot of musicians sort of feel that way too. And it's like, your music shaped me. They're like, thanks man. Like it, it's awkward. Cause they want to be treated just like normal people. A lot of people, a lot of times. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I feel bad for your friend there because I think he, he had longed for the reply that you got, but at the end of the day, I mean, like, he puts his shoes on one at a time, just like us and, and wants to be treated like a normal person. I, I, I don't think there are a, a lot of people. I, I don't think there are a lot of bands that you and I have interest in that want to be idolized. No. And, and, and want to be, and, and want that, um, want that worshiping of, of people just to, to praise them. And well, it was 30 seconds to Mars, but not anymore. Yeah, yeah. Jared, Jared I, I, that crossed that. my mind. Yeah, yeah. That that crossed my mind as I was saying that, but um, but yeah, I um, 
I don't think I've got any interest in, in, in meeting Eddie. Um, I mean, hell, I couldn't even meet Stone Gossard in his side project band um, at, at some vinyl record store without getting tongue-tied and being like, hey, Pearl Jam rules, you guys are my favorite. I love you guys. Bye. Like, I, I couldn't begin to tell you what I said. I'm sure it was something similar to that, though. But I think it all <laughs> sort of depends on the situation, too, because those, like, sort of forced meet and greets are totally awkward. Um, I've met, yeah, like, yeah. musicians and, and uh, directors or actors in those situations, and it's much, even like the, the Greg Sestero thing, it's very different compared to um, organically, like, you know, run it like talking to someone in a, in a room where you're having a conversation when you, when you know, people are behind you in line waiting on you to go through, um, there's this pressure. Yeah. There's yeah. that pressure. And, and what do I, you're thinking the entire time you're walking up to them. What do I say? What do I say that they haven't heard a million times? Uh, you know, man, I really great show. I really like your bands. Yeah. The last 400 fucking people said that too. Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. Like it's, it's weird because I've, I've casually chatted. I mean, I remember, and, and this was sort of like almost a segue. Um, we talk about like the first show we went together. You mentioned um, Murder by Death at Gabe's. I remember one time going, uh, meeting up with Mike after that show. We went and saw um, Murder by Death at the Blue Moose, uh, which sort of mm-hmm. took over for Gabe's for a few years. They were sort of the, the venue that um, Murder by Death and those bands went to. And yeah, me and Mike and my friend Noah and Nikki, we were all like hanging out front um, with Matt Armstrong, who played bass with the band at the time. And him and Mike just start striking up a conversation about the Cohen brothers. And uh, he's like telling Mike, you know, like, I think uh, Raising Arizona is like the most perfect film ever made. And, and they're debating on this back and forth and, you know, and how Nick Cage used to be such a great or is, is a great underrated actor when you give him good writing, all this stuff. And it's like, that's the kind of story you, you I would rather have than like going up to their table and being like, Hey, can you sign my vinyls? Great show. Have a good night. You know, it's like, I got, yeah, I got yeah. to debate the bass player from one of my favorite bands on what makes a great movie, you know? And, and I, yeah, I, I concur. And Mike retells that story, uh, every couple of years. Uh-huh. Uh, when, when I was there. It happened. Other... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not doubting it at all. I mean, I, I, but I, I also feel like, if you put a band, you get them off the stage, they've got their gear loaded. Maybe they're just at the bar having a beer to unwind for a minute. Um, that's where like, you, you might find them in a more honest and more approachable uh, demeanor where they're, I don't know. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like to, I mean, wait a minute, weren't you guys playing pinball? I, was there a pinball yeah, machine involved? Yeah, there's a pinball machine. Or an arcade yeah, game? Yeah, I think so. I feel like there was an arcade game involved <laughs> as well. And maybe and maybe some talk, unless unless there was a, a, a different band, a different night altogether, where there were some Rob Zombie movies that were being debated. Was I, that the same conversation? I It's been a while. It m- probably was, um, but I don't remember that specifically. I just remember that... Uh, Raising Arizona, because my friend Noah, who was there too, sort of brings that up anytime someone tries to trash Nick Cage. He's like, you know, uh, Raising Arizona, <laughs> like, you know, and he, he's won an Oscar. And it, it's like, goes back, you know. It's, it's just funny, like, you think about those those strange conversations and, you know, interactions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, I've not interacted very well with uh, Murder by Death. Uh, I saw a, a show of theirs at Off-Broadway in St. Louis several years ago, and I got a little tanked 
I, I had a few beers, <laughs> and they walked off the stage um, for their at the end of their first set. And for some reason, it was a dick move of mine. I ran onto the stage. I mean, it was right. It was waist high. <laughs> I kind of reached over the stage, and and stole a set list. And I I I look back on it now, and I shouldn't have th- that I shouldn't have, but I knocked a drink over. Mm. And they came back out of the set, and Adam was looking around like, wait a minute, what? something how like, did this happen yeah so yeah missing. yeah something has yeah something's missing and something has happened here while <laughs> somebody's been sleeping in my bed kind of thing and i for some reason i thought that it would that it was going to be a good idea to have him sign that set list i did not i just i stuffed it in my pocket and 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 went and went on my way i think it probably would have implicated myself pretty well that i was the i was the one who when who snuck up onto the stage and <laughs> yeah and no shuffled shit. some stuff around <laughs> yeah yeah not not a good move man <laughs> no i uh it's weird because i've seen that band more live more than any band uh ever like the, as far as bands go i've never yeah they're the band i've seen the live most um probably mostly because they play local and they've opened for like a million shows. That's how I discovered them is that they opened for a million shows at Gabe's. It was like the go-to opening band until they had so much demand that they were suddenly headlining. And, um, yeah, I I've seen all of them like outside of shows, just hanging out, um, you know, at the merch booth, all kinds of stuff. And it's just always been like, it's weird because I've seen, I've met much like commercially bigger bands, but something about them, like they just seem so cool. And I have seen them so many times that they intimidate me. Like I've, I've talked to Matt Armstrong, who's not in the band anymore. Um, but only because I was included in a group conversation. Um, like Nikki and I have seen them on our own or with my friend Noah, or, you know, I've seen them with a bunch of friends and I've, if I'm like alone and they're hanging out after, after a show and they're like right there, I just, for some reason can't bring up the curse. Like what, you know, it's like, how do I organically it's tough without a crowd. It's like, I'm socially awkward. And it's like, after all these years, what do I go? Like, Hey, I've seen you like 18, 20 times. And this is the first time I've ever said, what else is there left to say? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, I, uh, I just looked at my concert chronology and I've seen them six times, man. you, You have, you have a concert like list. Yeah, man. Um, setlist.fm. Um, so here's what happened, Tad. I had, um, two booklets that I kept all my ticket stubs in over all of the years. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I've got ticket stubs dating back to like a, a Colorado Rockies game in 1993 kind of stuff. Um, but I lost them. The, these two books uh, during or in the process of moving from our apartment to our first house. And I just rediscovered them wow. uh, about six months ago. But I, and, and I mean, I, I, in tears, couldn't believe that I, that I, that I'd found these again. I thought that they'd gotten thrown away by mistake, but no, about two years ago, um, I discovered this website that you can go in and basically rebuild your own concert chronology. And, um, so I, I started doing it and right now there are only like three shows that I could remember going to that I cannot come up with a date for. 
and I've not been able to find with all of my Google research um, the the date in which that happened. Uh, one of them, I know I saw Chicago at the Illinois State Fair sometime within like 85 to 88. But I've reached out to the state fair and they're like, yeah, we don't know anything. <laughs> I, I can't get it. I can't get a straight answer there. But, um, but anyway, I, it took me two or three months of just diligent Google work and Google research to try to figure out what band played at this, at this gig on what date. And it, it's tricky here. It, I'm logged into my website right now, into my account. It says that I have attended 427 concerts of 321 different artists. But here's the catch. If I see if I see one concert and there were three bands that night, okay. It labels each one of those it labels each one of those as a separate concert. Okay. So, it's not 427 actual concerts. I it's easy. I, I'd say it, it's it's fair to say two hundred. Oh yeah. Uh, but four hundred is uh, is really pushing it. But the the three hundred twenty one different artists that that mean that goes a long way as well. Oh yeah. I mean that. I mean, that's yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I I was actually meaning to uh, in our communication before this, meaning to pitch this to you that you ought to check this thing out. Because I know you've been to a handful of shows. It's a nice digital footprint. So if you if you ever lost your ticket stubs, or if you ever if something if something happened where you didn't have a record of every one of those shows that you've gone to, you can log into this website, and chances are. Um, the venue name is already listed there. The band name is already listed. Set list. Um, and it's really, yeah, setlist.fm. Um, and I, I mean, I haven't been able to add much to it lately, Yeah. of course, but, um, but it's cool. I mean, it, it breaks down metrics of like every, like the, the, the venues that you've been to the most, the artists that you've been to the most, um, uh, how many times that you've edited each show. Um, it's, it's pretty cool and it's free. So I, um, yeah, I, I've had an account for a couple years now. I, I love it. I have used it. It's even it. got statistics. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. I know it's even got. St- it's it's even got song statistics. Oh, how many like, times you like, want to see plays how? It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. That's a mostly acoustic song on Pearl Jam's second album. I've seen that. I've seen that song played live ten times. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've used that website to uh, look up playlists from shows I've been to, but like, or if I'm going to go see a band, I'm like, I wonder what the kind of stuff they're playing. But is that I have? Ne- I didn't realize that they, you could like create an account and actually track your stuff because I have a uh, big Ziploc bag full of mementos, tickets, passes, that kind of stuff, and it's all unorganized. It has movie tickets, concerts, all that stuff. So. Um, you know, I, I should eventually get like some kind of book or something to put them in. And uh, what was really cool, the uh, Murder by Death 20th anniversary tour that was cut short because of COVID, we, we got to see him like it was the same night that Tom Hanks announced that he had COVID. And that was sort of like a big deal. It was the same night they also announced that um, the March Madness was canceled. Um, oh, wow. So that was actually later. 
That was actually later than when I got to see them then. I saw them February 5th of last year. Yeah, ours was in and... March. Did you get one of those cool books that they had at the merch table? Yeah, every I did. Show? That, 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 cool, that cool little, it was like a 25-page black uh, new kind of newspaper quality yeah. uh, catalog. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got it. I've got it in my little shrine with my with my uh, now reunited uh, concert ticket stub collection and my drumsticks and my guitar picks and everything else that I've ever well and my set list that I've knocked drinks over onto <laughs> uh, at, at shows. Uh, I've got all of that stashed away in one little corner of a bookshelf in my living room. Yeah, that book. But yeah, that like booklet the, was that booklet was rad. Yeah, so cool. Like that they went and did the research. They had a, a podcast that went along with it too. That was really good. Um, if you haven't checked that out, it's definitely worth. It's, it's I think it's called Coming Home. Is a history of murder by death, and they sort of go over their formation huh. and they talk to fans. And it was I, I felt sort of sad because um, I didn't really find out about it until they were releasing episodes that they were like taking, you could like call this number and leave a voicemail about like a memory you had of the show. And I'm like, man, Mike's story would have been perfect for this. Like, you know, yeah. It was yeah. just a funny it interaction. Been a great fit. But uh, that, yeah, that, yeah, that would have been a great fit. That was my uh, last show I saw before COVID. Was that yours too? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at my set list FM uh, account right now on February 5th, 2020. That was it. Um, that was the last show that I saw, the only show that I saw in 2020. And I mean, when I mentioned er, like very early on in this conversation um, that I was watching the Ben Gebbard uh, from Death Cab for Cutie shows, um, those are actually listed on Setlist FM too. But come on, man, I'm not actually in his uh, in his home studio witnessing this show i mean there were people who who created set list based off of that saying i was there yeah i could do that but that's not that's not the same uh, i mean i at the end of that show i'm closing my laptop i'm going out to mow my grass yep. there's no concert yeah. experience there <laughs> yeah we only did one virtual concert and it was actually like a month or so ago when uh weezer performed okay human with uh philharmonic orchestra and la youth orchestra okay. and uh that actually worked out perfectly because that's something they could never tour because they had a full orchestra the whole album is, yeah. is a 38 piece orchestra so it's like they can't really it's incredible they can't really do that it's touring it so that's why they they dropped it or recorded it and dropped it during uh covid because they're like well we can't tour to promote this anyway so um they decided let's do one like really awesome it was at the walt disney uh concert hall in, in downtown la with a huge uh organ up on this like second floor and it's just beautiful space and they they recorded it and then did like a live stream of it and uh you know we I hooked it up to the, the big 70 inch TV with a surround sound and we had, you know, some drinks and, and it was like the closest we had to a live concert, but it still wasn't the same, but it was, it was cool. But like, that's the only real thing we did outside of maybe watching a few bands here and there on IG live or something. But, um, you know, I, I was tempted with like get up kids did the same thing where they were doing full albums. Uh, Jimmy Eat world also did shows of, of individual albums. That was pretty yes. good. I'm a big Jimmy Eat World fan. I I had a chance to to watch a, a couple of those and uh, other things. I mean, having a two year old man, I'm <laughs> not going to say much more. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, li like that could you know, at home concerts. I mean, it's 
I, I don't know. I guess is it better or worse? Because it's like if you're if you have tickets to a show and you leave leave without the kid, like there's no distraction. There's nothing you can do. But if you're at home and you're trying to watch a live stream, and you have a two year old. You know, you'd think, oh, it'd be easier. I'm at home, but probably not, right? No, not really. And and the thing is, I want the full experience. So I'm gonna. I'm going to crank the, the 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 sound system up, and I mean, chances are he's already a, he's already in bed. <laughs> I'm I, I would still rather make the two hour trek or pilgrimage to whatever city it takes to get to, or to to see that band live and in person. I want I want to pay seven dollars for a, a shitty beer. I want to <laughs> I want to rub my eyes. 10 times on the drive home. I, I want to eat Jack in the box tacos on the way at, at the last, um, the last stop headed back into headed back home. I want all of those, these, those things a- again, like it, this whole web streaming or, or watching a live feed from home. It's, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't feel as authentic as, as seeing it in person. It's not going to feel as authentic either. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. When you saw that that first uh, Pearl Jam show, that wasn't your first show. Uh, and, and it's sort of hard, like... Your, your first show ever, I mean, a lot of people went to, like, concerts they were dragged to by their parents or, you know, things lo- local. Like, what do you consider your sort of, like, first, first concert? Like, first concert, um, th- there are two that come to mind because there's one where there was a rare opportunity that, that Quincy, where I'm from, actually had a band come into town. Uh, March 22nd, 1994, so I was a junior in high school. No, yeah, junior in high school. Um, the Jim Blossoms okay. came to Quincy. Right on. And and uh, I always remember uh, that morning so well um, because it's also my father's birthday. And my mom gave me 25 bucks to go buy my dad a birthday present. <laughs> and y'all know what I did with that 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I came home with a ticket stub. That's what you get for your birthday, Tad. I thought you were gonna say you, I went you to get get him a get him a ticket. Nah, I mean he. I don't think he really knew who they were at the time. But in 1994, the Jim Blossoms were uh, riding high on two or three big singles. I mean, they were they're they radio were friendly for still, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, w- when they came when they came into town, they had hits in the Billboard Top 100. So to find bands that, that that actually came into Quincy that were popular at that actual moment um, was extremely rare. But yeah, yeah, the, the Jim Blossoms in 1994, uh, I could still remember uh, two classmates who I went to see them with. Um, 
speaking of this setlist FM, I've not been able to figure out who the opening act is. So that's one of the missing pieces to my entire concert chronology. Um, there were some old Jim Blossom's message boards that I hopped on years ago trying to figure that out just long before I ever created the, one of these online accounts. And there was even arguing back then as to who that opening act was. And uh, I've never, I, I, I've reached out to the people at Quincy University where the show was, and they've got no record that the show even exists. So, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got the ticket stub that says otherwise, but there's no one there today that seems to, to have any knowledge of it either. Yeah. It's weird but, how they can sort of just like disappear. Like I, I'm afraid, like my memory is not what it used to be. And I'm afraid of like, think, I think back about, about concerts that completely have escaped my brain. Like I, I can't honestly say I really remember my very first concert. I know I went to several steamboat days concerts. We had like a music festival on the river here and they had all kinds right. of oldies acts and like up and coming acts that if, if you're playing steamboat days, you're either, um, not to your prime or past your prime pretty much. And uh, exactly. I remember my sister like worked with them and she went and saw NSYNC before they were a big thing and met Justin Timberlake and stuff. And then it's like, you know, wow, we had NSYNC like, yeah, two years before they, they even had a hit single. Um, but yeah. you know, then they would have like uh survivor and, you know, uh, Ted Nugent and shit like that. And it's like, you know, I went and saw Alice Cooper, great show, but it's like it was Alice Cooper in like the 2000s, not Alice Cooper in the 70s, you know. Right, right. Yeah, um the the only act that that's ever come to Quincy that could uh that could compare to what you're saying here, uh in 2000, Destiny's Child came to Quincy. Wow. But um, I don't think Beyonce was in the band. I, that band had a little bit of rotation yeah. of people who came who, who came and went, and uh, and I don't think that Beyonce was present uh, for that show. I think it was kind of like the 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 B team of Destiny's Child that, <laughs> that came to Quincy. I know uh, but, um, people still talk about like people my dad's age in their like 60s and 70s talk about how Kiss played the Memorial Auditorium here in town before. And they are, they all claim, you know, it was before they wore their makeup. And I don't know Kiss's history very well, but I'm like, when was it? And, and they, they claim that they played and Johnny Cash. And I'm thinking of someone else, uh, maybe Aerosmith played like a, a small show. Uh, it, huh. you know, and there's still some people around that claim they went to it. I, and you know, it's, but everybody's like, oh, my uncle did, you know, Coke with Axl Rose at a Guns N' Roses show at, at the auditorium. And it's like, you know, is there, it, show me the history of this. I want to talk to that person, not like the third, you know, how many telephones has gone through over time. The story probably right. grows every time they tell it, but, uh, yeah, it, it gets embellished a little. Yeah, but yeah, I I, yeah. I can't really remember my first concert concert. Like I remember, like I said, I remember going to see Days, but I also think it was probably in high school when my friends, like we would all pack in my friend Natalie's uh, Cadillac and go to Gabe's, and it, I did not care who was playing if they my friends were going and the shows were cheap 
and they let in like yep. underage people. Uh, we just obviously we had to get like a minor wristband. They put like an X on your hand to make and a marker and and Sharpie to make mm-hmm. sure that you didn't buy any liquor and and uh, right. And I think I remember seeing like Reggie in a full effect and Rufio and it, I, I swear both shows uh, Murder by Death opened for them and I saw My Chemical Romance before they had a big hit and that actually was a much better show than their their huge sellout one. But I think even Nirvana played games at some point and you know there's still people who claim they they saw that too before they made it big yeah i um i don't have any um i i mean maybe if i dig around a little um the i might be able to find a a few bands that i really that that i got to see and, and and really say i saw them before they got big um the the one band that um I mean, I, I know one of the topics that we were going to discuss, uh, a little bit of a segue. I remember you you asked if there was one album that that came across to me as like the first massive disappointment. Yeah. And one of the f- biggest disappointments um, for me was in 2004, I got to see The Format, uh, which had Nate Royce and... Uh, also on that tour was a band Steel Train that had Jack Antonoff. Okay. It. And I got to see them uh, in a tiny little club in St. Louis. Um, and, and I became big fans of, of the format and Steel Train afterward. Those bands broke up and then reunited and then formed their own band, Fun. Mm-hmm. And I still riding high on my 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 appreciation for the format and steel train uh i really i I got into the into this new indie rock band fun and um they had one album their first album came out uh within like two years after steel train and the format broke up uh which was aim and ignite but then in 2009 with all of this hype and this big promotion that they've got a new album coming out, I was so disappointed in the theatrics and the Freddie Mercuryness <laughs> yeah. that became Some Nights. Yeah. And to to go from seeing them in a tiny little club, uh, just I'm, I'm doing the math here, seven years before that. Uh, to now they're performing at, at the Grammys. They've got that We Are Young song playing a, on Chevy commercials. I will say every commercial that uh, year had that song. Yes, yes. And I, I can still remember like downloading that album and putting it on my phone and being so amped up. I can't wait to hear this. And it was this so heavily produced music. And I mean, it was it was right in the wheelhouse of glee and high school musical and a lot of the theatrical stuff, which not really my forte that was right in that wheelhouse. Like we are young and some nights and some of the other real just anthem rock hits, um, belonged on those kinds of shows and not on my phone anymore. Yeah, I know that the format played Iowa City a lot. Like, they became, like, a staple in Iowa City at shows and stuff. People really loved them. And the same thing, like, when uh, fun came about, everybody was like, you know, 
this these guys are huge and you know i met i met they used to talk, hang out with them in shows in iowa city as the format and, and you know i know a lot of people who sort of you know knew these these guys before they were huge and you know they it's whatever really happened to them like they had that huge they were huge on the radio every every commercial and then sort of nothing for after well that. um the, the lead singer uh nate royce Royce. I, i've never been able to pronounce his name properly but um he did a solo album that led to a little bit of animosity because um uh uh, uh a thought that I've always had in my head is that if you're going to do a solo album and you're already in a band, that solo album should not sound like the same music as yeah. if you had that band. Um, that's why I always gave Eddie Vedder's Into the Wild soundtrack a fair shake because he's breaking out a ukulele and it's like a very acoustic, very folky uh, sound where Nate um, did his own solo album. And again, it sounded just like fun. But Jack Antonoff, my God, he's that still, yeah, guy he's is Yeah, he's a huge producer like, right, right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's done, um, he's helped out Taylor Swift, Lord, St. Vincent, Lana Del Rey, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Like that guy knows pop music and he knows how to write a hit song. Um, and, and props to him for that. But, um, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know as much as, as much as I was excited for that, for that second album and as big of a disappointment as it was for me, I do have to respect that, that, that album there, um, pretty much cemented, um, their credibility that they can, they can write a hit song and and they can help someone write a hit song <laughs> right yeah i just actually saw jack uh bleachers was on like fallon last week and they had a very like bruce springsteen-esque new song that was really good i thought the sh- hmm. the sh- how dare you i think is what the song is called and uh it was really okay. really good performance and and they, they sounded great they had you know a lot of sax in it and he was even sort of dressed in like maybe it's the look more but he's wearing like you know some sort of skinny blue jeans and a white t-shirt tucked in and just very uh spring hmm. springsteen-esque did they did the uh did fallon's band uh introduce them while they were playing dancing in the dark or anything <laughs> <laughs> they should have i mean that sounds very that sounds very born in the usa ish <laughs> yeah it definitely had those vibes and uh yeah i, I usually just check out the music performances on there because he, he does some pretty good uh like a few nights before he had saint vincent on and that was a rad performance like she had the 70s filter on and it just it looked really good yeah uh, her new album's really good she's really going for that 70s look now <laughs> yeah uh was it hello daddy or, or something daddy uh welcome home, daddy's daddy. home daddy's home yeah and uh, da- daddy's home i really yeah. like that daddy's home yeah yeah it's good stuff but so i, I guess another something that i often wonder with i mean the number of shows that you and i have been to obviously a lot uh, we've got a lot of concert memorabilia and stuff. It's your first concert shirt. I think, well, I do remember buying, I mean, that's sort of my thing still. Like when I go, I probably have a dozen murder by death shirts. Most of them don't fit me anymore. Um, but I'm thinking back yeah. to like, 
Man, I, I, anytime I saw a band, even in high school, like I would somehow scrounge up enough cash to get them. So uh, it's once again, my memory sort of blanking on me. But I remember I, th- I think I got a Reggie in the full effect T-shirt when I saw him. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with Reggie, but uh, it was like a side project from the Get Up Kids, uh, former keyboardist James DeWeese. Uh, yeah, I've heard a few Reggie songs. I I used to have a couple of songs in my iTunes library. If I do a little digging around, I probably still got a couple. I can't I can't put my finger on any of them, other than I know that they're a they're a, a really energetic punk band, right? Yeah, there is sort of strange. He he's almost I, I, a joke type thing, like almost, but um, later evolved into a more serious thing. Like the first few albums were just him fucking around and, and some of the songs he has very uh good like ear for a melody and, and write some stuff but he has within his side project called reggie in the full effect uh he had different uh, i don't even know how to explain it like personalities he had um, another musician that would be on the albums called common denominator and it was like a swedish death metal guy and he would have uh <laughs> he had like two or three of these different musicians that would come on to each album and do weird um, like like dance music and stuff. And then uh, as he went through some serious shit in his life with addiction and, and, and divorcing his uh, wife and stuff, the music got much darker and, and actually serious and really good where he's actually putting like his soul into it. Uh, so it went from like a joke to real real quick. But uh, he still sort of yeah, kept, he kept yeah. his sense of humor um, like the uh album when he he wrote about his divorce was called songs not to get married to and the cover had a uh like a house that or a trailer that was on fire um wow yeah yeah. and one was like like uh i forget the other one but it's just yeah it went from very funny to very somber but he still had some humor interjected in that but i i i think that was like my first concert shirt maybe from him but i i remember my first Weezer concert shirt I bought uh, two at the show, my first Weezer show, I bought one, a tour shirt with the dates on it, and then another one had an illustrated, f- like it looked like, a, it's supposed to look like a cereal box, a Weezer cereal box, it had all the like, cartoon versions of the band, and they were had like spoons, and they were, <laughs> had it in the cereal, and, and I, I will say like openly that I think um, Weezer's merch has always notoriously been very bad like almost uh, borderline cringy at times as far as the t-shirts yeah. and stuff go some of it, it some of it's meant to be ironic and some of it's just bad but uh it's always been something like i i've had several weezer shirts but um yeah it's it, i the one i still have and wear is just a straight blue shirt with the blue album the guys on the bottom of the shirt and then the weezer logo up by like where the pocket would be but um, I still have my huh. my first Dusty West tour T-shirt from that, and and what's crazy is um, that Mikey Welsh, rest in peace, um, was the basis for the Green album, and he had parted the band at least at the time temporarily, right before I saw Weezer the first time, and so all the merch still had him on the shirts, like the tour shirt I have still had him on it. And he wasn't huh. playing with the band when we saw them, but it was like they had already made all the merch for that tour and couldn't, you know, just throw it away. So it's sort of a weird memento to be like, I never saw Weezer with Mikey, but the tour shirt has his picture on it. And so it's like, I can't really go get it signed because he's not with the band and he's not with us anymore. But uh, at the time, it was like a uh, bad split. 
So what what was yeah, your what was kinda. your band first band shirt or or live shirt? I guess um, yeah. You actually just said it. Um, my my first uh, concert T-shirt was the first concert that I went to without my parents out of town, which was an even bigger deal than going to see the Gem Blossoms, which was just a mile down the street from my house. I went to see in August of 1995 uh, live PJ Harvey and Veruca Salt, and I bought a live throwing copper tuber shirt nice and i've still got it I, like it's in the dresser right behind me right now <laughs> i mean it's so worn it's so worn it's so faded um but there's an actual there's kind of a demand for old shirts like that oh yeah um, i saw yeah i saw Soundgarden uh in 97 and i bought a i bought a tuber shirt from that and that shirt is in horrible condition now. It's so faded. It's in just terrible shape. That shirt in in good condition now, it, it, like when we were talking earlier about looking stuff up on eBay, that shirt in good condition now is going for over $350. Yeah. And I never would have thought like back in the 90s when I was wearing that shirt every three days right? that this shirt might actually be a, a, something of value. And there's a marketplace for that stuff now. A um, couple guys who who I, I follow on Instagram just to see what old 90s shirts they're coming up with. Uh, a lot of Rage shirts, Tool, and uh, believe it or not, Corn Tour shirts. Wow. Uh, are all bringing pretty good money these days. Did you ever buy the bootleg one out in the parking lot from like the guy selling them? Um, I bought a bootleg Bonnaroo Music Festival shirt in 2005. Uh, I bought a really crappy uh, Rainbow Gradient uh, total fraud of a uh, Pearl Jam poster when I saw them in Champagne in 2003. Um, I'm trying to think of what other bootlegs. Oh, and I think the guy who I went with to see U2, uh, there, there was a guy who I who I went to see, uh, or who was at U2 with me, not, or he was at the show, not actually at the show next to me. He bought a really shitty U2 bootleg in the parking garage, <laughs> um, a, a bootleg shirt. He said he wore it like twice and it started falling apart on him. Yeah, it's like a, but, a staple of that era. Like, I don't know if they still do that for shows, like staying out, the guy selling them in the trunk, or, or like you're walking into the venue and he's out in the parking lot. Uh, he's like, mine are cheaper than inside. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the, that was the MO. Um, and that Bonnaroo shirt that I've got, um, I mean, I've still got it. It's in horrible shape. If you look closely at it, about out of like the 30 or 40 bands that are listed on that, there are like seven or eight bands that are spelled wrong. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> notice it at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I I know that one prominently, and I I might have to text you a picture of it. Um, is Dave Matthews Band was playing that year, and on that shirt, it's the David Matthews Band. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. He could actually avoid copyright issues because he got it all wrong. But uh, you, you mentioned exactly. You mentioned like guitar picks and drumsticks and stuff. Like, what's uh your favorite like memento from a concert um 
I'd say one of my favorite mementos from a concert. Um, man, I had uh, front row seats in the balcony to see the Flaming Lips uh, in like 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. And um, as silly as it sounds, they ended the show with like massive confetti cannons going off. And I stuffed my pockets full of confetti. And I've got, like, in that ticket stub booklet, uh, I've got, like, the ticket stub, the, 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 the ticket stub on the bottom, but you can't see the ticket stub. It's just littered with confetti on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also saw Chevelle um, over in Springfield back in 2004, and I was so in love with the drum kit. It looked, it had, um, uh, like a kind of a Ferrari color scheme. And I think it may have even said Ferrari on it. It was just a really rad, sweet, aggressive looking drum kit. And I, I was front row, like it, it was a, a pit uh, set up and I was right up against the barriers uh, between the stage and security. And uh, at the end of the show, the drummer literally just walked right up to me and handed me a drumstick. And I thought, fuck yeah, this is awesome. It was a great experience. And um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that that Chevelle drumstick is probably the one uh, for me. The And I've, I've got it in a, in a big beer mug uh, up there in my little memorabilia section um, on my bookshelf. That's really cool. How about you? you yeah, do you have any... I mean, I'm sure with the number of times that you've seen Weezer, do you have something um that you've taken home other than a ticket stub or something at the merch stand yeah um i have a small collection of the um like cloth badges that they stick on you to go like backstage um nice i have one from like every tour probably from the last seven or eight years and they're all different like one's a triangle and it's green and it's from like the i'm trying to think of panic at the disco tour and then one is like brown and has the monster from everything will be all right in the end on it and uh they usually will put like the initials of the band member that uh got you the pass so like they have to initial it so it has like scott schreiner uh ss on it signed off on yeah yeah and then something there's other there's there's like codes that they put on there to to let other like security know what like what level you are at. And uh, I I made sure to save those and put them on like wax paper when I like get back to the hotel, whatever, after the show. So that, you know, cause I, I just want to keep those, but uh, yeah, those are probably my favorite mementos. I I don't even think I have, I've never gotten a Weezer set list despite seeing them a million times, or I don't think I even have a murder by death one, but um, I don't really have much for guitar picks or actual stuff like that. So that those are probably just having those and, and the ticket stubs are, are the things I've held on to. And yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, um, all in all, I think I've got, a, I think I've accumulated about seven or eight drumsticks and I've got my, my guitar picks uh, sorted in with every ticket stub. Uh, I know I've got two, uh, two different Pete Yorn um, guitar picks. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of, of a few others that I know I've been up and close with. Uh, I've got a Kings of Leon drumstick and um, guitar pick from an early show. Uh, I saw them back in like 2005 
Um, so that was before they kind of did the whole sex on fire selling right. out yeah. deal. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've I've got a um, I've got a, a, a nice little corner of some memorabilia that I I, I hope someday my my little kiddo was going to look at and go what is all of that stuff tell me stories because i mean i i just i i really hope that he has the same kind of interest as me and even if it's not in the same genre of music but just the interest in seeing live music that's what's going to matter most to me i will gladly be i will gladly take my kid to see the 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 version of of bts 15 years from now (laughs) yeah yeah, and I'll gladly be that dad staring at his phone, looking at the other dads, going, "Hey, man, next round's on me." <laughs> well, I even felt old, like um, when Weezer toured with Panic at the Disco. Like my friend Adam was much more into Panic than he was Weezer, and like you know, I was like, "Well, if you want to come with us, we're gonna go see him." And he's like, "Really? You know, I can get to so- go see Panic." And we went, and uh, I felt old, like because it was clear at that show who was there for Panic at the Disco and who was there for Weezer, because. It was right. like a bunch of dudes in their 30s there for Weezer and a bunch of girls in their teens there for Panic at the Disco. And it was sort of a nice crossover because there were some dads in their 30s taking their daughters who were, you know, teenagers to go see. And it's like, OK, you can see your band. And then I get to see my band. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a best of both worlds. And then you go see like Pixies and Weezer tour and then you see a bunch of like dudes in like plain oh. t-shirts and jeans uh in their 40s seeing pixies and then guys slightly younger there to see weezer uh and that felt a little better you know yeah yeah for sure i mean that that's where the the, the tables have turned a little um the pixies are about a decade ahead of of the weezer fan base right. so probably going to have a an age gap there um I mean, maybe maybe those those Pixies fans showing up a little late because they didn't really know who Weezer was, and they were just or, or I guess it depends on who's headlining. Um, well, it's funny on on which fan base is going to be there first. Yeah, it was funny because um, I met up with it was in Chicago for that the first time we saw them. Uh, they did two tours together. We saw them once in Chicago and then once in. Got it. My, my De- Des Moines actually, I think they played the second show, but the is like a year or two later. But um, the first time we went and saw them, we met up with my friend Joe Policastro, who's a uh, bassist in a jazz trio and and very talented musician. He was like, you know, hey, if you guys are coming up to that show, uh, you guys can stay at our place. And you know, it, at this age, especially, it's like, oh, I don't have to stay in a hotel and I can stay with some friends. And and you know, and right. we, we went to their place and got ready, and then you know, we we rode from there house and i didn't have to worry about driving to and from and and driving home and stuff but um he's like i'm a huge pixie fan but i'm not really familiar with weezer and i'm like oh i wonder how this show will go and to be honest it was almost like we got there and he was sort of like like pixies had just started when we walked into the venue he's like oh shit oh shit he's a huge pixies fan so we had we like rushed to our seats and I, 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 when Weezer came on, I was always almost like, oh God, like which, which version of Weezer is going to show up tonight? Because if they're just playing their like big hits and Rivers is on like his, uh, front man kick and not so much the musicianship, this might be a long night cause it's not going to win him over. And I think he had fun, but I, I don't, I, I sort of wanted at, at the end of the show is almost like wanted to defend Weezer. Like, look, 
this was a fun live show. They didn't play a lot of their deep hits. They played at this point with 14 studio albums. They are, their shows are pretty much greatest hits. They don't get into a lot of the deep cuts. And so uh, they know their audience wants to hear Beverly Hills and, and some of the stuff that I'm so sick of and, and leaves a bad taste in some fans mouths. But uh, you know, it's sort of like after seeing Pixies who are fantastic and sort of indie icons uh, for them to go up in rivers to like, be throwing kicking beach balls into the crowd while playing Beverly Hills. It's like, uh, I swear these guys were fantastic once. I swear they were really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that if the Pixies fan base was there to see them and then stick around for Weezer might've been crossing their arms and, and giving an awkward eye. Like, what are we watching here again? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that. And it's like, you think back, like, if this would have been like after Pinkerton, the, the two would have been a perfect pairing. So it was sort of a weird, awkward tour yeah, because uh, absolutely. they're from the same sort of era. But, uh, you know, Weezer sort of went one way with more poppy commercial stuff and Pixies did not. And they're and Pixies. It was a sort of nice contract because Pixies do not ever acknowledge the audience. They come out, they rip through all their songs. Sometimes they don't even play their, you know, they're like five big hits. They, they pick like two of them and they do not wait between songs. They go right through the set list at the end of the show. They say, thank you. And they leave the stage. And then Weezer comes out and they're like cracking jokes to the audience. And rivers gets on this little boat and he rides around the crowd playing like no scrubs or some shit. And it's like, you know, like you said, it's a bunch of like older dudes with their arms crossed. Like, uh, I guess we can get home early. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, we can we can beat the parking. Yeah. If we if we leave now, we don't have to. <laughs> we can beat we the crowd. It, yeah. It's gonna take us. Yeah, yeah, we'll beat the crowd out of here. <laughs> I've been to some shows like that. Uh, my first yeah. my first Weezer show was actually almost night. It was over nineteen years ago, but almost uh, May fourth, two thousand two. Uh, I saw them in Ames, Iowa, on the Dusty West tour. Um, it was ten days before they released Maladroit, so. Uh, I remember going and seeing a bunch of people wearing green album shirts like everywhere that the green album was still very big. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, even then in middle school or high school, it was high school at 2002. I was a sophomore. I was like, why, you know, even I know the rules, like you don't wear the band shirt to the concert and just like yeah. armies of, of lime green t-shirts. But it was like at that prime age, um, you know, I was what about 15 or 16, maybe 14, 15. But um, my sister, my older sister, who sort of got me, introduced me to Weezer. She was like, you know, they're playing in Ames and me and my friends. She would just, she would have been a senior in high school. It's like, you know, me and my friend are thinking about going. You should come with us. I'm like, yeah, that's my band. So, I mean, to be like away from my parents is sort of a buzzkill to be with my sister because you know, it's your still your sister. It's almost like having a parent with you. Um, sure. But at the time, like going with one of her friends, that's her age. It was like, you know, when you, if you had older sister, it was like her friends were like, you know, if they all were hanging out, you wanted to be there because older girls, you know, cool. Um, yeah. You know, sh- share a hotel room with them and stuff. But it was like, you know, my first really big, big concert experience because, you know, we went to this huge arena and, and it was like took forever to get out of the parking lot. We stayed at a hotel and no parents. And uh, I remember like AM radio opened and that was uh, 
this sort of weird poppy band. They were fun. But um, when Weezer started, I remember my sister was like, who's who's the dude playing the bass? Because that was their, at the time, was supposed to be temporary bass player, uh, Scott Schreiner, who who sort of got mm-hmm. pulled into the band in, in 2002 to, to take over for Mikey while he was in rehab. And he did not, he, he fit in like a sore thumb. He wore like a leather vest over a wife beater, um, you know, skinny dark jeans with, with uh motorcycle boots long greasy black hair had a gold front tooth um it's just sort of like a really weird replacement at the time now he, he's been in the band ever since but um it's just funny yeah. to think like at the time my sister was like who's that guy and then flash forward 15 years maybe 10 years and you know I, i'm actually good friends with scott and, and talk to him almost every day and looking back at that it's just really sort of funny and weird you know it's just weird how the world works sometimes thinking you know almost 20 years ago i was uh, the first time i got to see weezer was with him and uh you know now i see him anytime they're on tour and and uh you know it it was a it was actually a pretty good show because it was before anything like beverly hills all stuff i mean i remember talking to you and at at western you were like you were a big maladroit fan you were like oh maladroit's awesome yeah, yeah, I was a big fan of Maladroit. I mean, actually, them, I mean, of course, everyone started becoming a Weezer fan with the Blue Album. Right. But if I go in discography order, um, I mean, I, I, of course, everyone kind of, they, they tend to hate on Pinkerton and then come back. But Maladroit for me, I mean, that was, I, I had that heavy in my rotation for most of 2002. Um, I was a big fan of, um, I mean, I, I'm looking it up like Burnt Jam, uh, was, was one of my favorites. Um, Dope Nose, of course. Um, there was just a lot of hits on that album. And I don't know how the, how, how the Weezer fanatics like yourself and, and, and others rank it. Um, but that's probably a number two for me. It's weird because it's sort of become... Over the years, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's like it, some people say it's underrated, and now so many people are saying it's underrated that they're now people are turning and saying it's overrated. But it's it's probably mid tier. Like um, most people now, hardcore Weezer fans consider Pinkerton like the best thing they've ever done and will never be touched. Uh, right. And blue right. blues right up there. They're like neck and neck. They're like uh, almost like uh, you know it's like a package deal. Like you have the poppy blue album, the, the loud sort of chaotic Pinkerton, they go like uh, chocolate and peanut butter and then everything after that. But, uh, now people are back, you know, they did, uh, the white album. People really adore. They really love everything will be all right in the end. And then, okay. Human, which just came out, um, a few months ago has, mm-hmm. is getting tons of praise from fans and me too. And, uh, they've put out two albums this year with Van Weezer too. And it's, it's commercially getting, you know, uh, critically getting quite a bit of accolades. People, I didn't think it would get the positive attention it did. I don't know if it's just people striving, just, just starving for new music, but uh, yeah, it's it's sort of cool to like see them on the up and up right now. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I hope that that um, that they've got a successful tour coming up and, and they're going to have plenty of stuff to, to promote. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be heavy on the two albums that, that, that have come out this year and of course playing the hits but I mean, my gosh they've got so much to go off of um 
to put a show together these days um where i mean of course they can they can hit some of the they, they can they can nail down the greatest hits and still and still give a, a nice good helping of um their new their new music and their new catalog their new albums what's interesting about it is weezer especially um i would say probably post Maladroit has infamously um just sort of put out new music and then rush on to the next thing and if one or two songs stick they'll put them into the rotation constantly but like the last four or five albums almost nothing has been even when they're out supposed to be when they're out supposed to be like uh, supporting that album on tour one or two songs and it's sort of a bummer because it's like especially with like white album fans absolutely adored it um but it wasn't you know commercially it wasn't as big as i don't think rivers wanted and if a song or if an album doesn't get like a number one song on the radio he sort of is ready for the next thing and wants to move on and and uh so it's mostly been we it's like the last set lists have mostly been you get over half of the blue album they play they heavy heavy on the blue album and then a lot of uh you know the the singles you got you know one or two from each album that you sort of have to play hash pipe and beverly hills and that kind of stuff uh and now sure. they're stuck in this weird spot where they had a huge hit with toto africa cover and of course here we are years later and they even played that at the like orchestra show and it's like man like let it go but they can't because it gets a huge pop and i understand but it's it's probably a a real struggle to be like we've we put out 14 albums and you guys want Africa? Like, I guess we'll give it to you, but I, I can't imagine that like internal struggle of having to play that cover for the last four years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and especially when it started off as a gimmick, right? Where I, I don't, it wasn't even their idea; it was more of a, a dare, right? <laughs> and and they did it, and and uh, I mean, the rest is history. It was probably one of the most most played songs in alternative radio in. What was that, 2018? Yeah, I think so. What, yeah, yeah, I think that sounds about right. What's the weirdest show you've seen? Like, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Or, um, like, something crazy happened? Or, um, a couple of them that come to mind. I mean, uh, I was seeing Manchester Orchestra at the Beale Street Music Festival, and the uh, all of a sudden, like in the middle of a song, the power went out on the stage. And it, it, it was in the afternoon. It was kind of a broad daylight show. They had an early uh, slot in that in, in that festival, and the band totally rolled with it. And they managed to like get the crowd to quiet down. And the lead singer is shouting. He says, "All right, guys, since we have no audio, we're going to go. We're, we're going." get out your cameras this is going to be the perfect time for you to get your cameras out because we are going to put together the epic rock poses that you only see in movies <laughs> and with since they had nothing else to do and they couldn't just walk off the stage they knew it was just a, a short-term issue the lead singer and and the lead guitarist are leaning up against each other's backs mm-hmm. and that one of them directed a fan that was on the stage so all of their long hair just is just blowing like crazy in the in the wind and i mean that was it was so much fun to see a band roll with the punches and 
I mean, literally turning, I mean, doing the best they could to take lemons and turn them into lemonade. Um, that was a lot of fun. One of the strangest shows that I've ever been to, though, um, was just a couple years ago. Are you familiar with Mac Sabbath? Yes, they just announced a tour. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. They're coming to St. Louis uh, later on this year. Um, I'm going to have to look and see what the date is. But yeah, Max Sabbath is a trip, man. Uh, to see um, Black Sabbath music that is set to the tune of making healthy lifestyle choices and <laughs> avoiding fatty foods and... and uh, talking about the the meat industry and things like that man is that a trip i mean it rem that entire concert reminds me of um gosh i'm trying to think of the 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 hard rock band that did a a they did a music video that was a parody of mr rogers neighborhood uh you might know who i'm talking about here mastodon okay mastodon did a, a really awesome music video that was just like, it's not suitable for children, but it's set to, um, it's set to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It was that for two hours of <laughs> Max Sabbath. Did they tour with Oakley Doakley, I think? At some point they did a tour together. <sighs> they didn't. Uh, Oakley Doakley uh, was not on tour with them. Uh, if I, if I hear, if I understand them correctly, they are the, uh, metal band that everyone is set up and dressed up as Ned Flanders. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah. They, um, if I remember correctly, uh, the only bands that opened for Max Sabbath uh, that night were just a couple of local hard rock bands. No one of any of any notoriety. No Pizza Underground. But no pizza underground either um i i remember that name as well um i had a couple conversations with some some folks in the crowd who were very well versed in um all things max sabbath <laughs> but um but no that was that was a trip and not being a big black sabbath fan i'm not really big into the black sabbath the whole ozzy the, the 70s metal thing is not really uh in my wheelhouse at all um, those guys can fucking play. Those guys with Max Sabbath are talented musicians who, note for note, I, I couldn't hear any flaws in the music that they were playing. It was, if you're a Black Sabbath fan, um, you've, you've got to see them too. It makes me think of like, uh, sort of like Guar in the way that like, I would never like go on and, and listen to one of their albums, but I'm going to see them if they're nearby. Uh, and like Rob Zombie has sort of gotten to that point recently. Like I haven't really, I, I'll give him a spin like his, when he puts out new music, but like just give me the theatrics and the fun live show. I don't need to actually listen to your music when I'm driving around or, or sitting at home. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, I've been to some shows like that where I know I just want to go for the experience. Um, I mean, and I was that way with Muse. I am not a diehard Muse fan, but I've seen them twice because in the bits and pieces that I've seen uh, on the internet and, and wherever, by word of mouth, whatever, they can put on a hell of a show. And that's that's kind of, that, that's also some of the influence into why I go to some of the concerts that I've gone to. 
um, just because I, I know I'm going to get a good experience. I'm going to get some good bang for my buck. Yeah, yeah. I think the yeah. the weirdest shows I've been to was the Corey Feldman show that I've mentioned like a billion times. Uh, yeah. That was a weird one because he, he dressed me as a robot and had me on stage. Uh, and then... <laughs> cannot relate <laughs> yeah and then i remember one time we saw weezer and cedar rapids at like a a sort of big musical music festival and it was like i remember we got there a little late and i think like clutch or somebody had just played uh some band that is could not be further from weezer it was a bunch of like bands that were were maybe from the same a little bit after them but um definitely not even the same genre and like nikki and i walked up towards the stage and there was like a girl showing her boobs to get a drum drumstick i'm like i've never seen that at a weezer show um no no i can bet not <laughs> and then another one was david liebhart from uh tim and eric's awesome show great job he was the guy that had all the puppets i don't know if you've ever seen tim and eric but um i watched yeah, I watched him and Eric. I'm not familiar with much of their live show, though. Well, this guy is a guy that was on the show. He's sort of a old black guy that would sing songs through puppets. Um, yes, about like I remember that. Yeah, now. space exploration stuff. And he was in Des Moines, so we went to go see him, and he was with a punk band. And uh, it was in this tiny little venue, and... Um, my friend Noah bought... At the merch table, you could buy a drawing, and he was like... What, what do you like for, for TV? What do you watch? And my friend Noah is like, I like The Simpsons. So he drew Bart Simpson for him. Uh, and it was like 20 bucks. And then um, he sold Nikki a poster, but he didn't know how to count change back. So he just kept all of her money. Um, and she was like, uh, this is awkward. Too, too awkward to say uh, anything about it. So that was a really, really weird show. He sang a whole song about Reba McIntyre and how he wished she wouldn't retire. That was sort of the... Uh, chorus it was a weird night oh but my yeah um yeah I've, I've been to a lot of sort of weird awkward shows put myself in those positions but those are always the ones that you have stories to tell about yeah the um when we were putting this this topic together on music and concerts the worst first show that i've ever been to or the the, the first worst experience i should say didn't actually happen to me, uh, but it happened to uh, an innocent bystander just a couple feet away from me. Uh, we went down to see Murder by Death, and at, at a nice uh, kind of upscale, uh, upscale club in St. Louis, and uh, we had seen a handful of bands before them. Uh, Murder by Death is on stage. They're about three songs into it, and there's a couple... Uh, just maybe like within arm's reach who are making out just hardcore making out in the middle of this show. And, and they're kind of like, they're not, they're bumping into people and it's, they were pretty drunk out of nowhere. Like in the middle of the fourth song, the girl in this couple climbs over uh, the security gate, gets onto the stage and with no notice or, or warning whatsoever, jumps off the stage into the crowd. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a, it's a stage dive. Right. Murder by Death, if, if you're not familiar, they're not a stage dive, mosh pity kind no, of band. No. And this girl just completely wiped out uh, <laughs> some younger college girl that was standing right next to me. 
and knocked her glasses off and broke them. Um, it, it created such a distraction that the band stopped. And I don't remember which guitarist it was, uh, climbed down to try to console this girl. And she's just like weeping. Just You can hear her for, throughout the entire club crying. And she was there by herself. And out of nowhere, um, after this girl does her stage dive, they vanish into the wind. They're gone. Nobody can find them. They managed to like sneak out once they had once all the attention was on this poor girl mm-hmm. who'd been assaulted, and it set a really awkward tone for the rest of the night. <laughs> like we still tried to have fun, but we were all still a little. Um, a little taken aback by the act of violence that we just saw. Yeah. And um, I can remember when the show was over, that girl uh, had gotten dropped off by some friends and she was still there. Uh, she was sitting at the bar and by then she had a black eye and um, like the bartenders were just feeding her free drinks the rest of the night like they 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 felt bad for her for her situation i mean her life changed that night (laughs) there i and i i just i i've been to rowdy shows before i've seen the deftones i've seen the tool concert i've seen nine inch nails i've seen some hard some some hard physical activity but when i when i go to a show just to see the band and not have a whole lot of interaction with the with, with the crowd in the form of a mosh pit or a stage dive or a crowd surf man that that um that really stuck with me and and it still upsets me to this day that 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 happened yeah that's sort of a buzzkill like especially that early into the set yeah yeah i mean the band they I know it, it, it created enough of a distraction that everyone just kind of like pumped the brakes. What the hell just happened here? And yeah, to have to stop in the middle of a song. Um, yeah, it was, I can't think of many times where a band has stopped in mid song um, for something that was happening in the crowd. Maybe a, maybe a stage difficulty, a, a bad mic or something like that. Sure. But to to help someone out in the crowd, that's that's no good. Yeah, the only time I can think of that happening was the last time I saw Rob Zombie and uh, Marilyn Manson. Rob stopped the show because there was a guy like front and center recording with his phone, and he was like, he asked everybody for one song to put their phones away and just enjoy the song, and this guy wouldn't, and so he called him out and and he asked the crowd to all boo this guy because they weren't gonna play until he put his phone away. And uh, the crowd went fucking crazy on him, and uh, I thought that, I, I thought they were gonna tear him apart. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, that's that that's that's terrible. I mean, it, it it's um over the last few years, I I've really become more of a uh, whip my phone out and get a couple of good pictures if I see like a really good angle or a really good moment, I'll snap a photo of that. But I I've I've learned more and more over the, over the years to just be present. Yep. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to live vicarious. You don't have to live through your device just to relive 
that moment when you, when you get home. Chances are someone else is already recording it on the other side of the stage, and you could just go home and watch their version yeah. tomorrow on YouTube. It's funny because that guy that was recording in the Rob Zombie crowd uploaded the whole concert in HD, and I downloaded it, and then YouTube took it down But like right after I downloaded it. So you actually have a video of Rob Zombie screaming directly into this guy's like phone, like, turn it off and these you know we weren't going to play until you turn it off and he pretends to turn it off and then brings it back out when they start back up but uh that's crazy yeah as we sort of wind it down what i want to know what's on like your bucket list like what are some bands that you have not seen live yet that you want to see before it's too late um i want to see rage against the machine uh i'm, I'm really i mean as long of a as big of a fan as i've been of them over the years uh i'm surprised that i haven't seen them um i i really want to see phoebe bridgers right now um uh, she's someone who i discovered over the last year or so and uh i think she would put together one hell of a show um but the the number one on my list um is a band that i had an opportunity to see um it's a it's a band from the uk called doves and they were set to play in St. Louis the same night that the Kaiser Chiefs, Weezer, and the Foo Fighters played in Champaign. Mm. Uh, I think it was in 2005. And I thought, wow, I, I can see three bands that I really like uh, all at once over, over just seeing Doves. Doves hasn't set foot on U.S. soil since. Ugh. And... Um, they over the years have become one of my all-time favorite bands. They're like a top five band for me, and there's so much regret in not seeing them when I had the chance to. When Weezer and the Foo Fighters, hell, I you could see them five times a year. Right. When when things are up and normal and and we're not in a pandemic, you can see them anytime you want. And I chose. I, I made the wrong decision that night. And um, fortunately, Doves came out with a new album last year. Uh, they've announced some dates over in Europe. Um, and I'm very cautiously waiting for them to announce some U.S. dates. If it's in Chicago, Atlanta, I, hell, I, at this case... At this rate, if they play in New York, I might go see them. I was gonna say, man, just to be able to cross them off my bucket list. Get on the plane and go over to Europe if you have to. Oh man, uh, that that would require a little more financial <laughs> <laughs> abilities. Uh, I mean, hell, even a trip to New York would would yeah. not be a cheap one. Yeah. But if it's on my bucket list, um, I mean, my wife understands. She she understands that. If they are not in driving in driving distance and I can't make a weekend trip out of it in a car, I think she understands that if they play in a if they come back to the states, chances are I'm going to fly if I have to to see them. So that's my number one, man. Yeah, I would say I mine is probably not going to happen, but one I really want to do see is uh, John Williams compose like. Uh, orchestra you know do a, a live show he he plays at the hollywood or not plays but he conducts at the hollywood bowl used to every year obviously didn't last year but uh 
you know, if he announces that he's going to be doing that again, like next year or you know later this year, it might, I, I have some friends in California. It might be worth that trip just because he's like fucking like 95 or some shit. And, uh, it's been yeah, it's been yeah. cool. He's pushing ninety, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, we got to see Hans Zimmer, something I never thought I would be able to see live, and you know that blew me away. I saw John Carpenter twice do music from my favorite movies of all time, something I never ever thought would be possible. Seeing John Carpenter do a music show with a full band more than once, um, you know, Danny Elfman was supposed to be uh, going on tour last fall when everything shut shut down and went to shit he's supposed to i think supposed to play coachella or something and uh that would be really cool to see but i think he's gonna be around for a while so i think uh john williams is probably at the top of my list just because of his age uh i checked off yeah. like we we checked off uh paul mccartney right at the right time like his last tour we went on and and somehow i ended up with like first row balcony right by the stage uh and i've seen brian wilson several times so uh, that was, yeah. you know, it, it, I wish I would have seen Brian Willi- or uh, Brian Wilson, sorry, of the Beach Boys. I wish I would have yeah. seen him um, when he was in better health, um, because at this mm-hmm. point they're pretty much wheeling him on t- at to a piano, and he and he rarely has many of the. Uh, I mean, he he barely even sings. He's just sort of there with a band, but uh, you know, just to check it off the list, I've I've gotten to see him three or four times now, and. Uh, yeah, I just I think John Williams, like I said, it's just a matter of is because of how old he is. I'd love to see him conduct before he is no longer with us. I know it's grim, but it's real. I I can I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I saw Little Richard at the Beale Street Music Festival a few years ago, and um, they wheeled him onto the stage, and it, it was it was a really neat kind of uh, a, a way of disguising it. Um, his wheelchair was modified to make it look like it was p- his piano bench. Mm. So, it, it, it as he was sitting there like playing his entire show, um, it looked like he was in a, like he was actually sitting on a park bench when it was, at, or a, a piano bench, excuse me, and um, when it was actually just some pieces that were added on to his wheelchair. Yeah. But who cares? Right. We saw a great show. He cracked some jokes. Um, I mean, it, he wasn't necessarily on my bucket list, but there were no other shows playing at that music festival that I wanted to see in that time slot more than little Richard. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a great opportunity, but yeah, I, I know once the, when you, when you have a chance to see an older musician who you know doesn't have a lot of time left um you got to do it It, it, even if they if they aren't playing to uh to their ability the way that they could um it's still a a good way to pay your respects yeah for sure and like i said it's just you know time's not on my side with those but uh you know hopefully hopefully with with all these new shows being announced and, and everybody sort of going on tour I think we'll we'll both finally get to check some of these off the list, but um, it's been so much fun catching up with you, Bryce. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Did you have any final thoughts? Oh, um, not really, man. I mean, it's just been it's been a lot of a lot of fun to to catch up and, and talk music. And um, over this last year, uh, usually 
I'm going to shows and and catching up with strangers and talking music with them. Um, I don't get no one's had the opportunity to do that. And um, I mean, I've just got a few friends here in town that that I get to talk shop with. And it's it's a shame that that we live as close as we do and don't get the chance to catch up as often. Um, I'd love to do this again or, or, or just meet up with you at the Taco John's and, and, uh, and, and talk shop over a burrito or two. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like over the, after the past year and it was actually like sort of right before things started shutting down, I, I was trying to like do better about reaching out to friends, not just when something bad happened or when I needed something, because like one of the last shows obviously murder by death was the last one but like i i met up with uh jordan DeWild and we we went and saw jimmy Eat world at, at the rust belt in the quad cities that was mm-hmm. a fantastic show and it was just like man i missed this like i need to you know it was like i was in that mindset i need to start reaching back out to friends and then the fucking world shut down so i had a pretty good excuse yeah. but i need to get back to that and and we will definitely go see a show here soon. Um, even if it's, you know, something small, like nearby that we just, even if it's not like something we're in love with, just something to do, like I said, or even get dinner sometime. We need no excuse. You guys live close enough. We need to come see you. And, and, uh, definitely, you know, talk in person again, that would be great. So, uh, thanks so much again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. I I've enjoyed the heck out of this and, uh, and, it's always a good time to catch up with you about. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast. <laughs>